pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. If you like your doctor, you will be able to keep your doctor. What difference at this point does it make? If you're looking to make sense out of what's going on in the world today, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Southern Sense Talk Radio with your host, Annie, the Radio Chickie Bellis, and featuring Curtis C.S. Bennett and the most interesting guests that you'll find anywhere on Internet radio. And you can join the show and let your voice be heard by dialing 917-889-3675. So sit back, relax, and remember, Southern Sense is Common Sense. Here's the reality. Emergencies usually strike without warning. We're surprised when the stock market crashes or power goes out. Certainly, with earthquakes, there's no warning. These things happen. And when it's breaking news, it's too late to prepare. Now you're scrambling and panicked. Best thing to do is prepare for natural disasters or emergency situations while things are still calm. So ask yourself right now, could you feed yourself or your family for two weeks with the food you have at home at this moment? If not, it's time to act and secure an emergency food supply. I use my Patriot Supply. And you should, too. A two-week food kit will get you started. This week, it's on sale for only $75 when you go to my special website, preparewithsouthernsense.com, or call 888-441-7290. These food kits include meals that last up to 25 years in storage. So order now and prepare yourself so there are no surprises. Just call 888-441-7290 or go to preparewithsouthernsense.com. Forget about it. If you can't remember the phone number, 888-441-7290, and you can't remember preparewithsouthernsense.com, you know the name of the show. It's Southern Sense. Put a dash in the middle southern-sense.com and click
All right. Welcome back to another exciting adventure here on Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Seven Cents. Also on SHR Media. Oh, good Lord. Do you know what I'm going to say? Just go to the name of the show to find out where the heck I am, because I have no idea where I am anymore. It's the name of the show is Southern Sense. Put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. I'm your host, just with the most, just the nut job, <laughs> the radio chick, <laughs> along with my oh-so-patient, intellectual, and handsome co-host, Curtis C.S. Bennett. Good afternoon, Curtis. How are you today? And welcome back. <laughs> Hey, I'm feeling great. I could not have planned this um, trip to Philadelphia any better because I got out of the state just before Dorian got there. So I'm happy about that. And I'm happy, you know, that it didn't hit, you know, uh, Florida and do any serious damage. Absolutely. And you left your poor wife behind in Florida. (laughs) You left her to set out the storm. Good going. (laughs) What is hey. <laughs> Carolyn, I hope you're listening. <laughs> oh, she's probably laughing her butt off anyway. Uh well well we had Dorian pass through here over the last couple of days and um uh it, we didn't have any serious damage. We had some trees that came down, not on our property, but uh, there were some trees that were blocking our street and you know, debris here and there. Nothing nothing fantastic. We lost power for just a couple of hours. I think we burned maybe a tenth of a gallon of gasoline or propane in the uh, generator. We had two generators, one's gasoline, one's propane. So we, we were stocked. I mean, I've got my Patriot food stock. Yeah, I, I have my boxes of Patriot uh, food. So please, I really do use this stuff. I do buy it. I do use it. Um, I had the freezers are all plugged in and I had food galore. So I was not even worrying about that. So, uh uh, well, we were set. We were we we were all really really set. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm looking at the chat room. I'm cracking up. I want to thank everyone that's listening in in the chat room in our studio, as well as over on SHR Media and everywhere else that we are being broadcast. Uh, <laughs> they're questioning who's running against uh, Trump in the primary, and it's a joke. It really is a joke. I hate to say it because one of them happens to be a friend of mine, Mark Stanford, and I think it's a very very or political decision he's making and trying to run against him in the primary. I, I can't see, honestly, any Republican being able to beat him going into the primary. And uh, as for Joe Walsh, he has been a past guest on the show. Uh, when he was uh, in Congress, he, we had him on the show. Um, so there is some question about his mental stability if he was a guest on this show, Curtis. Anyway, uh, there's, mm-hmm. there are some funny questions going on in the chat room, so I want to thank everyone that's participating in there. Uh, anyway, we've got ourselves a packed show. I don't know if our final guest, Kathy Landing, will be with us because we were under a mandatory evacuation here, even though we stayed because we've got five cats. Uh, we didn't leave. Uh, but there was mandatory evacuation, and I would assume that she was one of those because uh, the storm hit closer to her up in the Charleston Myrtle Beach area than it did to us. And that evacuation probably just lifted today uh, because they were getting hit last night in the Myrtle Beach area. They had some t- uh, tornadoes that touched down in that area, too, especially North Myrtle Beach. And I think that's where her home base is in the Myrtle Beach area. 
So I don't know, honestly, if she will be uh, on with us, but we'll, we'll make do. Uh, we've got uh, Raynard Jackson starting the show off, and then we have uh, Richard Lynch. He's got a brand-new album that just came out. He'll be joining us. Really great songs on that one. Uh, so a lot to talk about, Curtis, and a lot to do. And people are talking oh, yeah. about Joe. Are they about Joe Biden in the chat room or Joe Walsh in the chat room? Joe Biden, yeah. Sure. Had a bloody oh. eye. <laughs> it was gross looking. They showed it on um, Drudge Report. Looked like somebody oh, socked him in the eye. Like a blood <laughs> vessel burst in his eyeball. Well, maybe he ran into the same accident we had with uh, Harry Reid. <laughs> Remember Harry Reid's face when it was all bloodied? Oh, <laughs> well, was her name? Was her name AOC? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. If you remember, before Harry Reid retired from the Senate, he yeah. had he claims that uh, exercise equipment fell on him. Uh, it, maybe maybe his bookie came after him for the payout. Don't know. Yeah. There were different stories about whether or not Harry Reid had his brother-in-law punch him. But Joe Biden, maybe he had the same <laughs> exercise accident. <laughs> I think AOC did it. <laughs> I'm running this party, uh, Joe. <laughs> anyway, uh, we've got a lot to talk about. And uh, towards the end of the show, we're going to dedicate uh, some time uh, to our dear friend, Kel Fritzi, uh, who passed away last month. Uh, we're going to hold that off till the end of the show when we talk about her. Uh, for those that have been following the show for about two and a half years, maybe longer, uh, she was my co-host. She co-hosted when I also had uh, – she paired up with Cool Mike at one point co-hosting with me. And then when Dan Butcher was co-hosting, she also paired up. It was a, it was a great trio that we had. And uh, I've known her, uh, geez, for eight going on nine years. And uh, we will miss her deeply. Like I said, I want to hold that off to the end of the show because I'll get a little too emotional um, for those that do watch on the video, they see I always wear a crucifix that does not come off, even when I go in the shower, unless I am having an X-ray or an MRI or a CAT scan done. It's the only time it comes off. So crucifix Kale sent me as a gift. It's the sword of St. James, who uh, helped drive the Moors out of the Iberian Peninsula. Um, again, I'm, I'm going to get into that at the end of the show. Uh, Vito Esposito on Global Patriot Radio will have a uh, memorial uh, show with the friends of hers on Tuesday evening. And Vito, feel free to post it in the chat room. Uh, also put it up on our show page, an SHR Media show page, so we can also get it up there too. Um, anyway, talking about remembering people, those that listen to the show, Know that we start off each and every show with a dedication to a fallen hero. And today's dedication is going to go out to Trooper Brooke James Story of the Illinois State Police. Her end of watch was Tuesday, March 28th of this year. And these sources are coming from ABC 7 Chicago. Um, bear with me as I try to pull these these information out. The Telegraph Herald and from WREX.com and the dedication reads Trooper Brooke Jones Story, 34, was killed Thursday, March 28th inspecting a semi-truck on U.S. Route 20 westbound, just west of Illinois Route 75 
in Stephenson County, police said. Joan's story was outside of her squad car when she was struck and fatally wounded when another semi-truck struck her squad car and the semi she was inspecting. Both trucks caught fire. Joan's story's death comes days after Governor J.B. Pritzker announced renewed efforts to enforce Scott's law in response to the number of accidents injuring state troopers. The law requires drivers to slow down and move over for emergency vehicles. The law, enacted in 2002, was named after Lieutenant Scott Gillen, a Chicago firefighter who was struck and killed by an intoxicated driver while assisting at a crash on the Dan Ryan Expressway. No driver needs to get to their destination so quickly that needs to put a trooper's life at risk, Pritzker said during a press conference about the law. Joan's story death also falls on the sixth anniversary of the death of another officer, Trooper James Sauter, who was killed on the Tri-State near Northbrook in 2013 when a truck driver fell asleep at the wheel. The driver was sentenced to two years in prison. This crash adds to an alarming trend with at least 15 state troopers being hit along the Illinois roads so far in 2019, a number that's nearly double the total of eight troopers struck in all of 2018. Today is a dark day for the Illinois State Police family, said Brandon Kelly, acting director of the Illinois State Police. How many times does this have to happen? How many more have to be hurt or killed? When's enough enough? The driver of the vehicle that struck James Story had been cited with violation of Scott and improper lane usage, police said. The men and women of this department, especially the troopers and colleagues of Trooper James Jones Story, are sad, hurting, and they're angry, Kelly said. At the crash scene, which is about two hours west of Chicago, state troopers gave Jones Story, a 12-year veteran of the ISP, one final salute. Brooke Jones Story's ashes were carried out to the parking lot of Warren High School in a small black urn under a pale gray sky. The lot was lined with uniformed Illinois state troopers standing at attention. Across the street, area residents watched from the sidewalk as officers mourned the loss of one of their own. Jones' story was killed on Thursday, March 28th, when she was struck by a vehicle during a traffic stop. The Stockton resident had spent 12 years as an Illinois state trooper. And on Wednesday, April 3rd, she was put to rest. There is no other grief like that around a life undeniably taken too soon said the Illinois governor, who was one of several who eulogized Joan's story. And in standing here today, quote, I feel that we are not just eulogizing the years that Trooper Joan's story lived, but also mourning the years that were stolen from her. Warren was practically shut down. Most streets were empty, save for some American flags lining the sidewalks. Much of the town was gathered at the high school, Jones Story's Alma Matter. During her high school years, she was viewed as outgoing and friendly. She had a smile on her face most days, said Gary Hunt, 
a teacher at Warren High School who had story in his math class for three years. She was well-liked by just about everyone. Jason Cruz, a manager at the McDonald's in Stockton, almost every day, Story would stop by the restaurant to order iced coffee before she set off for the day. She was an amazing person, always concerned with everyone around her, Cruz said. She is going to be missed. Stockton resident Bill Herman, who stood with the Patriot Guard riders at Jones Story's funeral, saw her head to work most days, including the day she was killed. Seeing her on that last day has stuck with me, Herman said. It's weird, the things that haunt you. Warren Mayor Wayne Raisbeck said the community is reeling. It's been really hard on a lot of people, Raisbeck said. A lot of people are still in shock. It was a simple message from one of the many classic Disney movies Brooks Story loved so dearly. But Prisker repeated it often during his eulogy. The simple edict. Have courage and be kind. It was a way of life for Joan's story. And the governor said that message presents an example to which we all should aspire. The arc of Brooks' life should bend all of us towards compassion, towards courage, and towards kindness, he said. Pritzker recalled Joan's story love for Disney movies and animals, noting that it takes a particularly kind soul to rescue pets that others have discarded. The author cited her commitment to CrossFit, a popular physical fitness routine as a sign of her relentless dedication and courage. A pursuit that requires that true courage of mind and intention, he said. CrossFit demands that you challenge yourself physically in ways that require real mental strength. That surprisingly intimate struggle builds family in the CrossFit world, something that Brooke valued greatly. Several others shared memories of her, including Brendan F. Kelly, acting director of the Illinois State Police. He compared the fallen trooper to a superhero. Tough moments bring out the best in tough people, Kelly said. That's why there has been such an outpouring of support from so many. The officiant, the Reverend Dan Herman of the Old Stone Church in Rockton, read from Psalms 23 and the Book of Ecclesiastes. He led the congregation in a moment of silence for her and her colleagues who fell in the line of duty this year. He also commended her colleagues, those who bring order and safety to the communities they serve. He shared a story of her inspiration for joining the law enforcement. As a college student, she received a ticket from a university police officer, but Joan's story didn't get angry. Instead, she made friends with the officer and discovered a passion that would guide her career. Think of that, Herman said. For those of you that are serving, think of that. You may give a lot of tickets. You may do stuff people don't like, but you are an inspiration. And Brooke found that inspiration in someone just like you doing that job. And finally, from WREX, Mary Sugden. It's been five months since Illinois State Police Trooper Brooks Jones Story was killed in the line of duty. She was working on the side of the road when a Scots law violator struck and killed her. In Stockton, 
Her husband, Robert, is keeping her memory and legacy alive in a unique way. The retired Illinois State Police Master Sergeant runs a satellite rescue for the Peaceful Valley Donkey Rescue. I think it takes someone special to want to do this, says Robert, to want to take on an animal that's so unfamiliar. Robert and Brooke opened the rescue before her death. He says Brooke had a deep, unwavering love for animals and would do anything to help them. When asked why donkeys, Robert doesn't skip a beat. Brooke, that's the easiest answer, he said with a laugh. The thing Brooke would say is that they couldn't help themselves even though they were sweet animals. She wanted to help them. So that's why donkeys. Robert and Brooke signed on to foster a group of 16 donkeys before her death, a delivery that was put on hold until he got his feet back on the ground. This would have been the group that Brooke would have just insanely loved, Robert said. There's really not a shy one in the group. This July, Robert decided it was time. He was ready to open up his farm and his heart to the herd of donkeys. At his farm, Robert fosters the donkey until their forever home comes along. But moments spent with his guests makes it seem like Brooke is visiting too. Today's show is dedicated to Trooper Brooke Jones' story. It's also dedicated to all the brave men and women out there that serve as first responders, be they law enforcement, firefighters, or emergency services. It is also dedicated to all the brave men and women that serve in our military, from the birth of this brave nation through today and into its marvelous future. We dedicate this song by Todd Allen Herndon. My name is America. May God bless each and every one.
believe in the virtues I stand for, my respect for humanity. Now I'm challenged by tyrants who envy my power, but their vicious Todd Allen Herndon, and you can find him at ToddAllenShow.com. Check it out. You're here listening to 7 Cents here on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, Lone Star Daily News, iTunes, YouTube. Stop the heck with it. Just go to the name <laughs> of the show. Put a dash in the middle, Southern-Cents.com. I'm your hostess with the most just the radio chick, Annie. I'm with my co-host, Curtis C.S. Bennett. Oh, man. Uh, Curtis. We're waiting for our first guest to uh, call in. want to welcome everyone that is up in the uh, chat room also. Um, I did a little special dance for Kel because whenever she listened to Todd Allen, she would be dancing in the chat room. <laughs> so in memory of oh, Kel, yeah. I did a little dance in the chat room. Uh, man, we do have a lot to talk about, Curtis. And uh, geez, Why does everything always happen on a Friday? I don't know, but I know right here in Philadelphia they got this big thing going on about having a safe injection center for people who um, inject illegal drugs. And it's a big deal, you know. Um, It's in the courts right now. In other words, um, even the mayor of the city is sanctioning the use of illegal drugs, but, you know, under the um, watchful eye of, uh, the you know, the city and – some people say that it's just going to encourage more, you know, illegal drug use. And and others say, you know, well, it's a health issue. You know, we, we allow these folks to have a safe injection place to do their drugs. Then, you know, it's it's not out in the street. The way I look it's, at it's it, the- they are enabling these people. 
Oh, yes, absolutely. It is one of the dumbest things that these democratic, liberal, strongholds, progressive, whatever you want to call them, these, these strongholds, these sanctuary cities, uh, if it's not for illegal aliens, it's for illegal drug use. You know, yeah. our veterans get less respect than we do to a criminal. And it is one of the craziest and dumbest things I, I've ever heard. You know, all you can do, as you said, enable. Uh, if you want to help these people that have these problems with addiction, be it opioid, be it methamphetamines, be it crack cocaine, whatever their addiction is, open up rehab centers, not centers where they can continue to feed their habit. You're not making a safe environment. As a matter of fact, you're making it worse because you're saying it's perfectly okay for you to break the law. It's perfectly okay for you demanding to have the taxpayer to pay for your addiction. It is, it is one of the, the – it is dumb. It is absolutely asinine. It, it's the well, same thing know. they have with the Narcan. Yes, Narcan will save lives if someone is going into an overdose. Yes. Yeah. But you're also telling that person that has that ad- addiction, don't worry about it. You don't have to go seek help and, you know, whatever. You start to go into an overdose and you're probably close to dying. We have the stuff to bring you back. So go ahead and continue with your habit. Don't seek rehab. Don't seek help. Because if you're going to die, you know, we got the thing to bring you back. So it's perfectly okay. Go ahead. Just keep on doing what you're doing and let the taxpayer pay for what you are doing. Well, see, the thing is, uh, this is right up the alley of um, those on the left who are adept and comfortable breaking the law. You know, I mean, they see no, no, you know, no downside to this. You know, to them, there's no, no such thing as illegal. <laughs> it's just to show that we care, you know. No, no, but, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll turn around and we'll take guns away from legal citizens. No, 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 no. We will give you the drugs you need for your addiction, but we will take away the protection of the legal patriotic citizen who wants to exercise their Second Amendment right. And, oh, by the way, you want to exercise your First Amendment right of free speech or religion? We will shame you. We will, we will post your name publicly if you go to a Donald Trump fundraiser. If you show up at one of his rallies, we will put your name out there in the public and let everyone know so you lose your job, you lose your friends, you lose your community because you support Donald Trump. How dare you? Well, you know, um, I think recently someone stabbed at least 10 people, killing two of them. But uh, where's the um, where's the outcry? Let's let's you know ban knives. You know. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we've got our guest in on the line. Let's bring him aboard. Let's welcome back to the show. It's always fun to have him on the show, Raynard Jackson. Ray, how are you doing today? Penny, how you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. I'm just amazed that you even have a peon like me on your show. Hey, how's it going, Mr. Jackson? (laughs) Good, let me tell you, when I I first got introduced (laughs) to Annie, everyone told me that the highest place on earth is at her feet, and they were not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I turned from a being a... uh, 
turn them white girls into a bright red face girl. <laughs> I just hope, Eddie, I just hope. Eddie, I just hope one day over the next 50, 60 years, you'll deem me worthy enough to touch the hem of your garment. <laughs> I mean, it Have Jesus, I ever I mean. heard lines of BS? Where's the shovel? Because <laughs> I recall I need to stick myself out. He's pouring it on, man. He's pouring oh, it on. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Now I don't even know where to start with you. Um, well, my, you're my not the co- first woman to my, tell me that. <laughs> my co-host Curtis is up in visiting his family up in Philadelphia, and he was telling me that Philadelphia is the newest city to open up these public <laughs> drug centers, where they will pr- provide you with the needles and whatever else you need to continue with your illegal drug habit. And I was going on a rant on that one. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Are these people really that brain dead that they thought they're going to actually help these people and get rid of the crime in Philadelphia by encouraging them to maintain their addiction? Yeah, but, Eddie, why are you surprised in the sense that these are, these are the same liberals who tell you know uh, eighth and ninth graders, heck, okay, when you walk through the doors at school every morning, here's a condom. And well, in case you decide to get busy, well, we, we want you to be best equipped to get busy. So how can you tell a kid to abstain from sex? How can you tell a kid to stay out for drugs? But then, hey, here's a needle, though. It's, it's unbelievable. I'm confused. You know, yeah, I am too. But you know, what's funny is they're seeing in conservative areas, in red state areas, they are seeing local law enforcement and other first responders pulling back on carrying Narcan. They're starting to make it not as available to the public as it used to be because they found that it only encourages opioid use. Wherever they had plentiful Narcan, they had an increase in opioid use. So if you look at those statistics and facts, why would you open up a drug center to encourage other drug addiction? It, it just makes no sense. Well, it, but again, Annie, you are trying to bring logic into this conversation, and there is no logic to liberalism. Let, let me put it to you this way. The burglary rate in Saudi Arabia is almost zero. The, bur- the, 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 the theft rate in Saudi Arabia is almost zero. The crime rate in Saudi Arabia is almost zero. Why? Because if you commit certain acts, there is a sure, swift punishment that the general public knows if I do A, B, and C, the government's going to do this. So in America, we break the laws, we do things, and there is no consequence. For our actions, and so, for example, if you all keep up with football, you got Antonio Brown was with the Pittsburgh Steelers, now with the Oakland Raiders. He threatened his the general manager of the team Wednesday. They they put, told him to go away, and they were considering suspending him. Now it just come out that they're going to allow him to play. Now show me what other uh, um, um, boss can you threaten physically, and the team had to break him up because he's about to hit the general manager, and you reward him by allowing him to play. We in America, Annie, we have created a society where every act that you create, every violation of a law or a a value or a standard that you cross the line on, 
there is no repercussion. So guess what? You're going to get more of that behavior. Yeah, it is. It is amazing, you know. But but if you are a conservative uh, and you do something, if you're a Republican and you do something, oh my goodness, it's off to jail. Do not pass go. Do not pay two hundred dollars. Go straight to jail. Right. Yeah, yo, so you're in Walmart, Annie, and your kid gets out of line and you spank his butt with your hand, all of a sudden you're t- you're you're torn off to jail. Now, this same kid, if he walks up to a total stranger and kicks a person in the kneecap, oh, like that, oh, it's racism. Oh, it's Donald Trump. So we will not prosecute this teenage kid for kicking an adult in the kneecap. I mean, we got to stop this lunacy, Annie. We really do. Yeah, you know, I, I, it's funny you mentioned Walmart. Uh, the latest company to buckle in to the left has been Walmart. They no longer will sell handgun ammunition. You know, I, I go to the local Walmart, and every time I pass by the gun counter, there's no one there. And my husband and I stood there, you know, for about half an hour. Not a, that's a little exaggeration, but for quite a long time because I was looking for a rifle to purchase. And did you know that Walmart will not sell you a firearm unless they have a specific employee? They will not sell you ammunition or anything. They, don't, they have but one person trained and licensed to handle that counter. And if that person has their day off or is on vacation, there's no backup person. So now yeah, they're going Annie, a step mm-hmm. further and saying, we're not even going to sell you the ammo anymore. Yeah, but Annie, how many bank robbers – how many thieves have ever gone to Walmart to buy uh, ammunition and firearms? They don't go. Oh, my local that. burglar they steal does. guns. <laughs> <laughs> my- okay, you got an ethical burglar then. <laughs> <laughs> See, most of the burglars I, I know are unethical. Okay. <laughs> I, I've never taken a legal gun off the street. The only guns that I have confiscated were illegally possessed and illegally used. But- you know, I've never taken right. off any any legal weapon off of an individual. It's always been a illegal weapon. And right. If, yeah. If, if, if they're going to break the law, they're not going to follow the law to purchase it. Well, did you hear what happened to the young lady in Houston the other day? No. Okay, you have a black female. Uh, no, no, this is it. This actually happened. <clears throat> black female, she's about 26, 27 years old. She was driving home to her apartment in Houston. And she was pulled up to her apartment at 2.30 in the morning. Five guys approaches her. And they they uh, re- oh, reach yeah. into her car window. She pulled out her licensed gun, shot at them. She hit one of them who ended up in the hospital, and the police are arresting them and going to find the other four. But guess what would have happened if this 26-year-old black woman in Houston did not have a legally purchased gun to defend herself? I did. And we will be talking about her funeral. Yeah. 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 She was yeah. a pretty little thing. I saw that last night. I didn't realize that was done in Houston. I just caught part of it on the news. And yet she she exercised her Second Amendment right. Hey, left, are you listening? She did not have that gun there for hunting. She had it for self-defense, as our founding fathers intended it to be. Oh my! Goodness. And you know what, Annie? What's amazing is I have not seen that her story on CNN or MSNBC not one time. 
Oh, you're not. And you won't. You're not. Exactly. exactly. No, and, and this is there the was, first there was also a shooting. There was also a shooting up in an Alabama uh, high school at a football game, and you hear zero about that. Why? Now, I'm not being racist, racist, but it seems that the shooter was a black guy, and it was not a Donald Trump supporter. So uh, where's that story? That's missing. Right. Yep. Yep. So I've never seen a gun kill anyone, Annie and Curtis. I've seen people pull the trigger on a gun. So by liberals um, thinking, Annie, why do we not ban all cars? Because uh, there are 50,000 people killed by car accidents every year, a lot more than people who are killed by gun. There is no push to ban automobiles. Why? I, a number of years ago I spoke on this. Maybe it was one of the first times you were on the show. I can't believe I've been doing this almost nine years now. Um, there was a statistic about six or seven years ago that more hammers – Hammers kill more people than guns do. So I ask the question, why aren't hammers being banned? Well, because, I mean, most people don't listen to rap music. They have no idea who Hammer is. That's a You can't dance. touch this, okay? <laughs> so... No, I, my column that came out last week, and I talked about this uh, this whole notion. I guess the title of the column was uh, "Liberals Gunning for Our Our Freedoms," and I talked about this whole gun issue. Isn't it amazing? In Japan, it's illegal for citizens to own guns. So you know what happens in Japan? The 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 weapon of choice for mass destruction in Japan is a regular knife. And, and most recently, in May of this year, you had in Japan a man went on a a rampage and stabbed and killed thirteen people. They use knives, but there is no push in, in Japan to ban knives. Yep. And so I, I have that article. <laughs> Well, I, I had that article directly in front of me, and one of the things I, I underlined in that one, I love this. You wrote, as I constantly say, one of the central tenets of liberalism is intent, not results. Yep, 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 yep. Well, we didn't mean to violate the federal election campaign law, so therefore we should not be prosecuted because that was not our intent. We didn't mean to destroy the black family with our welfare program in the 60s where uh, it mandated the removal of the black male from the home. So therefore, there was no racist intent. These liberals know exactly what they're doing. They know the consequence of removing the black male from the home. They know the consequence of telling Johnny that Johnny got two daddies and Susie got two mommies. They've redefined the family unit. And as I put in my column, Andy and Curtis, until you reconstruct the nuclear family with a mother, a father, and kids, you can pass all the gun control you want. You can pass all the other laws until you bring the family unit in place, especially, Curtis, I think you would appreciate this, as a black male, we provide stability, discipline, and guidance to males before they get filled with testosterone. 
once they get hit with all that testosterone, if they didn't have a male guiding them, you see the results you have there in Curtis in Philadelphia where you are. A total anarchy going on within the young black male community. It has nothing to do with racism. There is no male presence there, and that is the problem. It's terrible here. Yeah, Very uh, terrible. I mean, just for example, right down the road from you in Baltimore two weeks ago, now, Baltimore, Black Bear, Black Police Chief, Black City Council, Black Councilman, Black District Attorney, the Deputy Police Chief and his wife were out two Saturdays ago for a weekend, I mean, a night out on the town, got robbed at gunpoint. The Deputy mm-hmm. Police Chief, <laughs> don't figure that mm-hmm. out, okay? I mean, this is ridiculous, Curtis and Andy. It's ridiculous. Where was his side that's why I want to know where was his security detail. He must be a Democrat. <laughs> oh, of course, in Baltimore. So yeah, of course. Doesn't carry a weapon. <laughs> exactly. He wouldn't if exactly. the state forced him to. <laughs> yep. Yep. So so it's amazing how everything is blamed in the black community at the feet of racism and the legacy of slavery. And again. No one is telling these young girls to get pregnant at 14, 15 years old and and then distance the male from the kid's life. And now, am I putting all the onus on the female? Yes. And you know why, Annie? Before all your listeners start calling in, saying I'm 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 such a sexist. I'm sexy, but I'm not a sexist. Uh, <laughs> the reason I put more onus on the female is, as as Curtis would agree. All we males do, Annie, we have to just plant the seed. We can keep moving. But you women, you all have to deal with the consequences as far as the pregnancy and the birth and things like that. We are so far removed from that just biologically. So I think the woman needs to be a lot more aware of the consequences because they have more at stake than the male does. Well, you know, one of the things I had in my note was touching on this subject uh, because of the destruction of the black family, and it's like, oh, they need to be helped. So that you open up Planned Parenthood centers around the area. You make it so that you can receive welfare and food stamps and Section 8 housing, but it's got to be a single mother family. You can't have the father in the picture. So government is encouraging and causing the breakup of families in order for you to get the welfare funds that you feel you deserve because you were reckless in your behavior. You know, it started with JF, not JFK, uh, LBJ, Lyndon Baden Johnson in the 60s by passing those laws. And then because everyone else across America saw that, hey, this behavior is perfectly acceptable in society today. It used to be you had a, um, a girl that was pregnant she would be shamed. She would be placed in a home until the baby is born, and the baby would be either adopted or brought back into the family as if it was a younger brother or sister. There was always an excuse. But it, it, you would be shamed. Today, we don't do that anymore. It's perfectly acceptable. So if it's perfectly acceptable in the black community, it's then perfectly acceptable across all of America. And you see a growing number of poor whites. We used to have a solid middle class. That middle class is broken down to a point where, hey, any behavior is acceptable. Whatever feels good goes. I'm sorry. That's one of my rants today. 
Well, yeah, well, it, it's very true, Annie, and and, and the thing that is, it, it's so crazy is these white elitist liberals in the 60s that you made reference to, here's how idiotic they think that thinking was. They said a less poison the black community by dismissing the male figure, and they didn't think that the black community is the canary in the mind. What what goes on in the black community today, five or ten years in the future, is what's going to happen to the white community. In the black community, north of 70% of all childbirths are out of wedlock. In the white community, I think it's 60 66%. So don't think you're laying a trap for the black community because a few years after that, uh, it's going to happen to the white community, and America has a problem. And you see this feminist push, Annie and Curtis, uh, of, uh, of women basically saying, I don't need a man. Just give me his damn sperm. I don't even need to have sex with him. I can just go to a sperm bank and get that and inject it myself. I don't want a man touching me because to have sex with a man is the continuation of male dominance over female. Just give me the sperm. I can get pregnant on my own. That's idiotic. Totally idiotic. And if you look at all this sitcoms on TV, Annie, all the popular ones on mainstream TV, they marginalize the male, black or white. And basically the women are saying, we don't need the male. We just need uh, the freedom to do what the heck we want. We want the sperm from the male, but we want nothing else to do with them. You know, you pointed another topic I had in my notes to address with you is the pervasiveness now of Hollywood. And they're pushing the progressive agenda. You know, back in the 80s, we were complaining about Murphy Brown. You know, do not propagate mm-hmm. this, yep. this behavior is okay. Yep. Uh, but no, 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 no. It's just a TV show. It's not encouraging any behavior. And then you see all the other shows that followed suit, and now you've got gay parents, and you've got all the other behaviors that normally would be hidden in society and would be shamed, but it's perfectly okay. And, oh, by the way, the adults are the dumb ones in the room. The four-, five-, and six-year-old kids are the, are the geniuses. Yep, yep. i tell you what I did earlier today, and it Curtis said I got a kick out of I had to go to my pharmacist to pick up some medication. And, of course, they asked you, you know, what your name is. I said, uh, no, they actually for my date of birth, I gave them that, and, and my name and stuff popped up on a computer. And they said, "Can you give me your name?" I said, "Barack Obama." They said, "Well, <laughs> that's not what's showing up on on our computer." I said, "No, I'm Raynard Jackson, but I self-identify as Obama." And I said, "And legally, you must recognize me and call me Mr. President." And she looked at me real <laughs> funny, like she was stunned. And I said, I'm joking with you, but that's the same view when a guy that's born with a penis tells me he wants to be listed as a girl. I said, that's how much sense this makes to me. And she started laughing. I said, okay, I get it now. But I said, no, but I do want you to address me as Mr. President because I self-identify. <laughs> now, doesn't Annie have to be based on reality? But if I verbalize it and tell you, Annie, I want you to call me President Obama, I want you to or I will file a lawsuit against you. Yeah, it it, it has gotten so crazy. It really has. And uh, we had uh, a former transgender on the show. He's written a great book, Walt Heyer, uh, and he 
does counsel people that now go through it. It used to be if you were to go and say, all right, fine, I'm a boy in a girl's body and I want to have a sex change. Medically, you had to go through psychotherapy first to determine whether Mm -hmm. or not Mm -hmm. you've got an actual mental problem or if this is a truly biological problem. And less than 1% of one-tenth of our society, not like not even a hundredth, more close like one thousandth of a percent of our society has an actual medical condition where you may have a gender issue problem. You know, there are people known as hempernites. However, yeah. that said, the vast majority of people that do this, that self-identify in a different gender, have some sort of a mental illness problem. And I'm not saying exactly. that as, as a bigot. It is written in the New England Journal of Medicine. This has been proven that you know either they have been right. sexually abused as a child or yep. something happened exactly. to them to yep. cause the illness. And if you treat that, especially when they do this, this really ticks me off when you get kids that haven't even hit puberty yet and you turn around at their birth say, well, I, this is not a boy. This is actually a girl and dress that boy up as a girl and then start the hormones before the child has even gone through puberty. To me, that's pure yep. child abuse. That's yeah, sexual no and child no, abuse. No question. Yeah. But here's an interesting fact for your audience, Annie. Do you realize the fastest area of plastic surgery is the reversal of uh, uh, sex reassignment surgery? That is the fastest growth in, in, in plastic surgery to reverse those operations because most of the people who have those surgeries end up regretting it and want want to do, reverse the process to the extent that it's possible. And the other interesting thing is when Bruce Jenner came out, I talked to my doctor. I said, 100 years from now, when they dig up Bruce's body, what will they find when they run a DNA test? And they said they will find a male. Based on DNA, you cannot you been medically to change your gender. Oh, really? You have been listening to my you... past shows. <laughs> Curtis, how many times have I said that? <laughs> they dig you up 100 <laughs> years from now. They run a DNA on your bones. <laughs> You're going to come oh, yeah. up with the what you were born with. <laughs> you can't change the X and Y chromosome. Exactly. Nope. Exactly. And and matter of fact, uh, you touched on another truth because this is something that Walt Heyer had written about, and his book is called Sex Change Regret, is that the large number of people that have gone through it have asked to be returned back to their original gender. You know, you have a child, the human brain is not sexually developed until the age of 27, in case anyone was unaware of that. At the age of 27, then your brain is fully sexually developed. That said... Most kids that are gender confused with the going through puberty or whatever, by the time they reach 18 to 20, they have solidified in whatever their sexuality is at that point. So having someone go through a gender change before they even hit the age of 20, much less the age of 27, again, is, is a mental illness. Right. Oh, there's no question. And the... Um... I forget whatever this psychological book uh, is. I think it may be the American Psychological Association. They have finally removed this whole transgender stuff. They used to list it medically as a a mental condition to be treated. They've removed that from uh, their medical journal now. 
And and yeah. they, 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 what two weeks ago, Andy, a, a a a retired NFL guy. He played in his five or six years. He was a no name guy. Played with the Cowboys or some a black guy. He's twenty six now, so he played in two or three years. He came out and said he was bisexual. And I'm like, so no, bisexual means you're confused as hell because you can't make up your mind. That's a mental uh, disorder that you're going. To. How in the hell can you not? You tell me, and well, uh, I like girls, I like boys. I don't know which one, so I go with both. That's confusion right there. Yeah, but if you're straight, then you're wrong. Uh, we had the um, straight pride parade last weekend up in Boston. God bless those people yeah, for having the courage to do that. Hate field group. <laughs> so who gets arrested? Not anyone in the parade, but the Antifa that tried to block and break up the parade. And yet, oh, look at all – who was it? AOC, I think, posted – or was it Talab? One of those – one of the, the, the unholy trio uh, posted up on Twitter about all the hate-filled mis- misogynist men – they're saying that the whole parade was just men. And I looked at the video clips of those parade, that parade, and you had a fair number of women there and people of all races, Asian, black, Hispanic, white. It didn't matter. Everyone gathered under the banner of being, hey, we're proud to be heterosexual. That's homophobic to say you like girls. That that's I find it very hateful, and I think the FBI should launch an investigation. How dare a male say he <laughs> likes a woman? How dare he? Did you hear what happened to Drew Brees, the quarterback for the New England, I mean, uh, New Orleans Saints? Okay. Um, yeah. They released a video from Focus on the Family, and in the video, Drew Drew Brees was supporting this uh, Bring Your Bible to School initiative, and you know, got rave reviews, and yet. The, the 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 homosexual community said it was anti-gay because he talked about uh, bringing your Bible. Now, mind you, in this video, Drew Brees didn't even mention the word homosexual, didn't even talk about it. He said, I support the school initiative to bring your Bible to school. And so these homosexuals, uh, Curtis and, and Annie, if you don't, automatically 100% buy into their radical liberal agenda, they're going to call you all kind of names. I did a radio show a few months ago, and after the host introduced me, I said, before we get started, I want your audience to know that I am openly heterosexual. Being, you know, I'm being funny. You know how I am, Andy. I have a crazy humor of sense. <laughs> and this guy said to me, you are no longer welcome on this network a- anymore. I said, why not? Uh, you're, you're, you're making a mockery out of homosexual. I said, no. If I come on your show and said I was openly homosexual, you would probably stop your show, bring in a sheet cake, and we would party and celebrate my coming out. But me telling you and your audience, and I'm coming out saying I like women, somehow there's something wrong and you want to punish and banish me? I said, go toward it. I said, there are plenty of other folks who agree with me and would love to have me on their airwaves, and I hung up. God bless you for that. Absolutely God bless you for that. You know, it's gotten too far. It has gone too far. And one of the things that the left has done is succeeded in making this the new norm. So consequently, you have a 
stunning amount, a record number of people in the United States now no longer affiliated with a religion or a church. They don't identify even as any sort of a sect of Christianity any longer. We have chased people away from the church. Why? Because we want these United States of America to resemble more Sodom and Gomorrah than a Judeo-Christian-based country. Well, yeah, no, I agree with you, and, 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 and as you may remember, I graduated from Oral Roberts University, so I feel I'm not in the evangelical community, but my criticism of the evangelicals is they are more concerned about being popular. Let me tell you, let me make it perfectly clear, and, and if you and Curtis don't want me on the show in the future, that's your right, You, this is your show. Homosexuality is not compatible with my Christian values, faith, beliefs, and Bible, period. There is no wiggle room. I'm not apologizing. I'm not going to give you a 20-minute preface before I make my statement. They are not compatible, no more so than being a bank robber is compatible with my Christian faith or being a drug dealer or being a prostitute. They are not compatible. So a lot of my homosexual friends, when I debate them on TV, their, their response to me is, well, Sin is sin. And I say, you know what? I agree 100% with you. And I said, God doesn't distinguish between homosexuality as a sin, being a bank robber, or being a prostitute. But I said, let me ask you this question. Here's how I shut them down, Annie and Curtis. I said, name me one other sin that people are actually trying to codify and legalize by law. No one's saying, let's make adultery legal. No one is saying, let's make lying uh, legal. That's, no one is saying let's make covetousness legal. Homosexuality is the only sin that people are actually trying to legalize, and that shuts them up because they have no rebuttal to that. Well, I would have one other murder, abortion. Yeah, murder. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And how do you control people by controlling the population? And how do you control the population by controlling thought? And this is what yep. you're doing. There, and everything now becomes codified. You know, uh, the majority of the abortions, thank you, Margaret Sanger, you bigot, uh, are of the black community. And we have the lowest black population in a long, long time. So how do you control the population? Control, control the, the very lives, the very bodies. You know, it, my body, my choice, but what about the choice of that child that you're carrying? And, you know, I, I got to love... I'm finally seeing uh, billboards coming up pushing for pro-life. I'm starting to see them pop up, and I'm glad these people that are putting those billboards up have the courage to do it. And they've been here in South Carolina heading down to uh, uh, Georgia. I see a lot of them on the roads going down to Georgia and in Georgia. And thank God for the pushing back to protect life. Well, here's, here's an interesting stat for your listeners, Annie and Curtis. I did a column a few months ago in New York City, according to their own Department of Health numbers. So this is not from the Heritage Foundation or Cato. This is from the liberal de Blasio's own government numbers. Every year in New York City's city, there is more. there are more black babies aborted than are born. According to their own, That's- more black babies are aborted than are born. 
period. That's astonishing. Yeah, yeah. You you go to any poor neighborhood in New York City or anywhere in New York State, any poor neighborhood, and that's where you'll see the Planned Parenthood facilities. You're not going to see them in the rich neighborhoods. There's not one Planned Parenthood set up in a white community, not one. And that's by design. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, Ray, we have our next guest in on the line. He called in early, which is fine by me. Uh, do you want to hang out with him? Because he is a Christian, and he's a, a solid conservative, but he's also a musician with some great music out. Uh, maybe I get you to become a fan of his if you want to hang out with us. Well, only if you think I'm worthy, because like I said, there's none righteous, no, not one, and the highest place on earth, and is at your feet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, uh, I'm just trying to find. Oh my goodness, the song I wanted to to introduce him with. I don't see. Uh, well, anyway, I'm going to introduce Richard with his song called "Keyboard Cowboy," and I'm sure this is this is something um, Ray that uh, you're familiar with, uh, being that you have your own websites, your blog, you've got your own radio show and everything, uh, as well as your your. Uh, Oh, good Lord. I just had a major brain fart. But let me play Richard Lynch, Keyboard Cowboy, before I bring him on air. I was drinking my coffee this morning, tending to my business like I always do. When all of a sudden my phone started ringing, said, did you see the post? What's his name said about you? I had to think for a while, then I started to smile. You need to tell me he's at it again. I guess some fools never learn a hot poker will burn. Yeah, he's acting like a squawking old hen. Well, one thing is true, he wouldn't know what to do if he took his computer away. So let the fun begin, let's all hit sin, and he can see what we have to say. He's a keyboard cowboy. Off his mouth from behind his desk, a keyboard cowboy. He puts it on Facebook, so it must be true. He's a mighty big man with his mouth in his hand, and he's coming after me. Keyboard cowboy. I don't know how to 
Hey, how are y'all right. doing today? All right. <laughs> hey, Richard, how are you doing? How are you doing today? How are you doing today? I've just been hanging um, out. I think, um, I, think, I think you've got a speaker on in the back. Oh, yeah, sorry about that. All right, can y'all hear me now? I got you now, Richard. You Richard now. We also have as our guest with us uh, Raynard Jackson with us. So we're going to have a four-way conversation along with my co-host. You've got a brand new album out, which is called "I Think I'll Carry It On," and I love it. And I love it. Bob, thank you very much, getting, little lady. I'm still getting uh, uh, my voice coming up in the background. Feedback. Let me see what's going on here. I don't see nothing wrong with my computer here. I don't know. I ain't too. I ain't too good with these things. <laughs> well, we'll take what we can get. Yeah, uh, you know, you've got a new concert coming out uh, later on this month. Yes. Yes, I do. Because I'm hearing my own voice coming back at me in a delay. I have no idea what that is. Um, do you want to call um, back on your landline or your cell phone? The thing is, I'm a busy man, and I got lots of things to do, so I can't really use my other landline. It's being in use right now. Ah, okay. Ah, okay. All right, so you've got, All right, so you've got, you've got a... You've got a You've got a concert coming up for the Love Tattoo Benefit series that you've got, and your guest is David Frizzell, Lefty Frizzell's younger brother. Yeah, well, we got him in the we got him in the show and everything. Like, uh, he don't ask me if he want if I could join, and uh, I I told him yeah he could join. But uh, the guy came crawling at my door like a like a fucking nigger from the government, and you know. He's fucking crazy. Uh, is this I really understand Rich what that meant. I, I understand what the last caller was talking about with the fags and the niggers and the kites. Uh, uh, this is not uh, Rich. This is not. It's, I'm sorry about that, guys. So I don't know who that wow. was pretending to be our guest. Uh-huh. Whoa. You told me wow. <laughs> Maybe this Ooh, is man, a, he, uh, isn't it? I was getting ready to go off on her, but I said, no, this is Annie's show. I'm going to let her handle it, but I was getting ready to blow a gasket right now. Oh, no, 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 no. You know you're doing something right when you end up getting someone from the left as obnoxious and disgusting yeah, as that exactly. is. Yeah, yeah, but again, I apologize let's them out to the de- no, Annie. You don't no, Annie. You don't owe us an apology. You didn't say it. This was some crazy liberal who wants to go out there and the best way to, to bring these guys out and let them have their their five seconds in the sunlight so we can show what liberals like to do. So, no, no, no. We're good. Heck, no, no, no. I was going to crack a joke, Eddie, because once you brought me into the conversation, I was going to say to him, say, how dare you, Andy, have me on this show with this bigot and this homophobe? Because why would he call a song Keystone Cowboy? It should be a Keystone person. I mean, uh, key, keyboard person. I mean, I, I'm, I'm offended that he used the word cowboy because that's unacceptable, and I was going to laugh about it. But, of course, this person, whoever it was, took it in a different direction. But um, 
No, I'm listening. And he had good. And I hope you don't edit edit this out of your show. I want you to put this on the air the way it is, so the American people can hear this foolishness. Oh, absolutely. I I don't edit my shows. What goes stays. <laughs> if it happens, okay, even good. the glitches. Good. <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm just, besides, yep. I hate listening to myself anyway. So. <laughs> Yeah, because I was stunned when he said, no, I'm a busy person. I'm like, whoa, where the heck is this coming from? So That should have been so, included um, the one to dummy me. Yeah, the man lied yeah. to me. He told me he was Richard Lynch. <laughs> well, he probably looked at the wow. description and saw that I had him listed. He couldn't pretend to be Kathy Landing, so he had to pretend to be the other guest. That's <laughs> all. Maybe the AOC's next boyfriend. <laughs> uh, of course, you know who's responsible for this, Annie, is Donald Trump. It was his fault that this happened. So I just want to go on the record and say I agree. President Donald Trump is responsible for this, and I think the the House Democrats should launch an investigation as to how this happened because Vladimir Putin <laughs> had to be involved in, in collusion with Trump to make this happen. Oh, no, and, and they were posting in the chat room at the start of the show that Trump was going to be impeached because he drew a, on the chart showing the early on into Alabama. And as a matter of fact, um, when the, the storm had passed over my mother, she lives in the Virgin Islands, and I was mm-hmm. on the phone with her. She says, well, from the path it's looking, it looks like it's going to go, of course, Florida, of course, to the panhandle and possibly hit the Gulf. And I was saying this early on, but lo and behold, maybe Donald Trump has someone in his office that was listening to my prediction. <laughs> I could be yeah. NSA said that she said yeah. he's going to go to the Gulf. Trump reported. <laughs> I mean, but hey, can you believe the news media has been obsessively covering? This Alabama angle. I mean, it's like this is not even newsworthy. Where the hell are they coming up with this craziness? But again, they are so obsessed with their hatred of Trump, something this ignorant and 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 menial, trivial and and menial. They are giving all this airtime to. And I'm telling you, the way the liberals are going right now, and the media who's in collusion with the Democrat, Trump is going to get reelected. Absolutely, absolutely. Matter of fact, um, we're going to have Judge Janine Pirro on next Friday. We're going to be talking about that because she's got a great book out uh, about Trump and the media's obsession uh, with him. They don't talk about uh, the fact that he's got – he's winning the trade war. Uh, He's got more countries starting to side with our policies than ever before. We've got – Absolutely wonderful job numbers. Our economy is booming like it hasn't done in the last uh, 10 years or even longer. Uh, We don't talk about the good things that are happening in our country. We're not talking about the wall that is actually being built. We've got to talk about Sharpie Gate. That's the biggest, newest thing. Yeah, well, I'm amazed at, Annie, that you actually have Democrats and liberals actually cheering for bad things to happen to America. I mean, I'm just dumbfounded where 
you are banking your election prospects on a recession. Bill Murray even came out and said, hey, I hope we do have a recession. And it's easy for him to say that because you know what? He's insulated from it because of the the wealth he has and the type of money he makes. And so a recession to him is not going to hurt him. But basically what you're saying is I want to see the country suffer because – we didn't go out and vote in 2016, and Donald Trump won. And so in order to get even with someone in the White House that we don't want, we want to inflict pain on the American people. How how idiotic is that? It's, it's absolutely flabbergasting. It is amazing that you want to actually wish bad things to happen. And I was listening to the job numbers being reported. Oh, by the way, there was a, a Bloomberg News, I think it was, or one of them, reported that Trump you know, must have had inside information about the job numbers. Uh, no, these were published where anyone in the public could look at the job numbers and report on them, you idiot. Uh, but they don't, they don't back off on that one. Uh, you know, anything he does, the least little thing. And, oh, by the way, what is his wife wearing? And she, how dare she show up at a disaster relief station wearing expensive shoes or clothing? You know, how dare she? You know, she just has to wear right. dirty jeans and a T-shirt. You know, any and everything they can pick on and try to show them in a bad light. Instead, they show how much of an idiot they are. By doing that, yep. Well, as I put it, Annie, weak people take strong positions on weak issues. Absolutely, absolutely. There's there's no other uh, excuse for that. Yeah, and but I'm just, that, uh, they they they're going to keep talking themselves into a a second Trump term because. These liberals, Annie, are not offering any solution. So, okay, you don't like what Trump is doing. Okay, what's your alternative? Oh, well, I'm not Trump. I'm not in, I'm not uh, controlled by Vladimir Putin. Well, show me where Putin is controlling the America. Matter of fact, you can really make a factual case and argument that it was the Democrat who were in collusion with Russia the, with the uh what you call it the uh the dossier um they're the one that made up this whole Russian collusion thing about the urination and bed and all that stuff so if you want to talk about collusion it would be the democratic party in collusion with Russia yeah absolutely um, absolutely I'm sorry I have to uh, I'm trying to get a hold of um the next uh, guest, his agent, to find out what number they, our next guest is going to be calling in from. Because um, I, I see the troll keeps on popping up in the studio, and we're not going to let that bigoted ass back on the air. That's for damn sure. <laughs> I mean, I've had... Wow. I actually had one, yeah. one troll actually put my mother's address up, and I went ballistic. Ooh. I actually contacted the FBI and several other agencies. So when these trolls think they can turn around and get through, you're not messing with this retired cop. B.S. Wow. <laughs> well, and also, let me make it plain to whoever that caller was, Annie, that you uh, you could call me and Curtis anything you want. Do you really think Curtis and I are not going to sleep well tonight because you came on the show and acted a complete nut? Really? Really, I Curtis, I don't know about you, but I've been called a lot worse than that, and it didn't impact me once whatsoever because it's not what what 
they call you that matters. It's just what you answer to. Yeah, I Precisely. forgot about it already. Right. <laughs> Touche. 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 <laughs> oh, man. Jeez. You know, talking about people saying stupid things and doing stupid things, it's San Francisco. Turned around, the city of San Francisco has labeled the NRA a terrorist organization, oh, uh, yeah. but they won't do anything about Antifa. Yep. Yep. But, you know, Annie, I agree with you, but why is it that conservatives are so totally incompetent when it comes to effectively communicating and refuting this foolishness that you just brought up? I mean, we have all these uh, various media platforms, excuse me, platforms from Fox News to shows like yours and other, but we just don't forcefully push back on this foolishness. And so a lie that re- is repeated enough becomes the truth. Yeah, well, people on our right. side, I think leadership on our side is so so used to um, so-called taking the, the high ground. They don't feel that there's a need to respond. And um, that's that's opposite of what, what the layperson wants, you know, and that's why we have um, Trump in there because he will respond. He's not going to take right. anything just down. And they haven't learned. Well, you know, you know. well, the thing is, is that we think with our heads. We think logically. And then when we try to refute well, anything, we use that logic. Where the we left does everything with the heart. They use emotion. And I've always emotion. said, if you want to get the point across, start using emotion also. Make people think and make the issue a personal issue with you. And when we, can, when we learn to do that, we can then start winning these arguments. And that's why I said, well, it's perfectly fine to call the NRA a terrorist organization, but you've got an actual group out there hurting people and destroying property, committing crimes called Antifa, and you will do nothing about them but an innocent individual, a patriotic American, a legal gun owner. I don't care what political party you are. You you have a legal right, a Second Amendment right to that gun, but because you belong to the NRA, you are now labeled a terrorist within the city of New uh, San Francisco. I was going to say New York. I'm not. I'm sure Todd De Blasio is already planning on legislation in New York City soon. Right. Yeah. Well, only in San Francisco can the killer of Case Stanley get exonerated during the trial, which to this day I still don't understand. How everyone he even admits he the gun was in his hand and and he's gonna get off by saying it was an accident. No, it was an accident about your birth. Because like, if your your mother had any sense, she would have aborted you. I mean, how can you allow that to get away? Yeah, I said it, Danny. Now, heck, now edit me out. Go ahead. So, so. no, but this is crazy. Where. We have more empathy for the perpetrators of crime versus the victim and their families of the crime. I don't get it. I well, don't you, get it. And so you have people supporting animal rights, the uh, unborn bald eagles or American eagles, uh, but they will not protect the unborn child or the preborn child, yeah. as I call it. Yeah, no, no, no. You'll protect uh, what you consider an endangered species or the Delta smelt, 
or, you know, the tree frog in Oregon or whatever, but you will not protect another human life. Yep. Well, in the immortal words of one of my hometown boys, Michael McDonald from the Doobie Brothers, and of course, and you too young to know who they are, what a fool believes he sees, no wise man has the power to reason away because what seems to be is always better than nothing at all. Well, you know, thank you for the uh, the flattery there, but I seem to remember debating in school which group was the better one, the monkeys, the Beatles. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. No, you must have read that in the history book, Hag. You come on now, Hag. <laughs> Now, Curtis, why is this young girl trying to act like she's older? <laughs> uh, Curtis has seen my gray hair. <laughs> I imagine she ate her spinach today. <laughs> oh, man. You know, as that squash puts in the, in the chat room, I, I, I got some of the greatest people up in the chat room. Uh, he puts in there that the eagle egg or the pre-born deer fawn has more protection than the pre-born human. Yeah, you know, that's the shameful thing you know there was a someone actually had this question up on fox news and i it made me stop because i said i've been asking this question for a long time our society has become so disposable everything has a very short attention span you no longer have people interacting so they're asking whether or not we have this uptick in violence and uptick in support of abortion and animals over humans um, because we have generations that are growing up disconnected from reality and other human interaction. Is this a societal problem? Well, that, that's a great point, and it, and it makes sense to me because, again, and I know I sound like a broken record, but what that listener just laid out, again, it all goes back to the decimation of the nuclear family and the redefining of the family unit. And when you get, Eddie, listen, when I was coming through, this was before the proliferation of the cable channel, we'd come home from school, we would have dinner, there was one TV, and whatever dad wanted to watch, we had to sit at his feet and watch whatever, gun smoke or bonanza and all that stuff. Now you don't have that mealtime hour at 5, or 6, 7 in the evening when all the kids and the family get together. So mom cooks dinner. Each kid goes to their respective rooms on the Internet, on their phone, and even in their room, there's no family dialogue, no family communication. You go to Thanksgiving dinner, everyone's at the Thanksgiving table on their phone texting, and there's no conversation Absolutely. going on. This is crazy. Absolutely. You know, kids are not opening up a book. Everything is on their smart device, so they're buried in their smart device almost 24-7. You you. Go out to a restaurant. Tell me how many people have their smart device out there and they're texting someone or they talk to someone. You go through the grocery store and you think someone's talking to you, turn around and realize that they've got a, a headset or something on and talking to someone right. on their smart device. Human interaction has become fewer and far between. How many people know the name of their next-door neighbor, know what their next-door neighbor even looks like, much less you know, have yep. any conversation with them? You know. 
when the storm hit here, the first thing I did was get up on the social network and say, hey, listen, give me a shout. Send me a personal message. I will check on your house for you. How many people do that today? Right. right. How many people are willing to go well, that extra yeah. mile to help someone else out? It doesn't happen. Well, but you notice, Annie, and, and all these mass killers, the one common thread they all have is all of them are loners. So they may have 50,000 friends on Facebook and Twitter and all that, but they have no relationship with them. These are people that in most cases you would never meet in person and you probably never talk to on the phone. And so when you are isolated and lonely like that, you seek attention. And what better way in America to get massive attention? You go out and kill a few people. Your name is plastered all over TV. You may be dead, but you get your 15 minutes of fame from the grave. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you look at the people that are in Antifa, once you take off the mask, these are the losers. These are the loners. And why do they wear the masks? So that way they can't be identified for what they truly are. Yep. 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 Well, you know, the um, the Democrats are, are famous for um, terrorizing people um, covered in hoods. A good point, Curtis. Great point. <laughs> and for those who don't know what Curtis does, but we're talking about the KKK. Yeah, unfortunately, had it right. here in South Carolina. They were originally known as the Red Shirts, and then they became the KKK. And they were born out of the Democratic Party, out of the Deep South. And it was to keep them also from voting. And was, was, I'm trying to remember the name of this, the Confederate general. He went on to become a South Carolina uh, uh, senator. Um, I think it was Gray was his last name. I may have that wrong. Um, but he was the one that formed the red shirts. And his thing was to each white man should control a minimum of three black men. And that's where the KK was born from, is to control the population, control the votes, control the politics, control the economy. And – Ray, it has been such a pleasure to have you with us. People can find you at your website, which is your name, Raynard Jackson. You also have two other websites. Uh, we work with the uh, black business community to advance uh, issues. Uh, you have your blog. People can find you on your radio show. Uh, where can they find the radio show? Yeah, well, they can just go to RaynardJackson.com or just Google my name all that social media and all that stuff comes up. And, uh, yeah, okay, listen, and it's always great to be on your show. And quit being a daggone stranger. I mean, hell, I'm not as pretty as Curtis, but I'm not chopped <laughs> liver either. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to get a hold of AJ now that you're going through AJ. So <laughs> well, I will well, go well, you, you got, well, you got my direct well, contact. Okay, well, that, I will. <laughs> I said Muhammad Ali's the only pretty one. Okay. Well, yeah, well, listen, I, 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 Curtis, I'm so far down on the totem pole with, with you and Ali. I, I'm not even in your galaxy, man. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, right. You have a blessed day. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much, Danny and Curtis. Okay, bye-bye. All right. Right. Uh, Raynard Jackson, uh, there's also another link to one of his other websites up on the show page, but you can also check him out at his website, RaynardJackson.com. I want to welcome uh, Richard Lynch onto the Real show. Welcome back, Richard. You've got a 
brand new album out. And I got to tell you, Richard, uh, we had a little kerfuffle here about half an hour ago. Someone called in pretending to be you. And after about uh, two minutes, I realized that the person was an idiot and it was not the gentle, sweet person that you are. So um, <laughs> we had a little incident earlier. If you listen to the show, you'll listen to the bigoted idiot that tried to be sweet old you. Welcome to the show, Richard. Well, Amy, thanks for having me, and uh, I'm amazed anybody will try to be me. That kind of flab- flabbergasts me. <laughs> well, believe me, you wouldn't want to well, be him. <laughs> actually, he wow. tried a southern accent. He tried a southern draw like yours, and, and it just—it was horrible. <laughs> it would be like me trying well, to pretend to do a southern draw. <laughs> I'm too damn Yankee to do that. That's a first. I'm <laughs> <We> <laughs> You should be honored. Um, I actually, I had played your song earlier, Keyboard Cowboy, because we had Raynard Jackson on, and he has some great uh, uh, news blog and the radio show himself, so he's he's familiar with Keyboard Cowboys. <laughs> so, <laughs> I gave an early promo to you. Um, your new album is called I'll Think I Carry, I'll Carry, I can't talk now. I think I'll carry it on. Uh, tell us about this new album of yours. Well, um, you know, most folks know that, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a traditional country music artist, and I, I was raised by uh, a gentleman who um, whose talent was pretty incredible. And so me being raised in that country music household, I, you know, I'm just glad that I could uh, be influenced by that great music. And I, I, I wanted to make sure that, this new album, Think I'll Carry It On, does just that. Carries on the traditional country music, you know, the storytelling, the, uh, you know, the old saying is three chords and the truth. A lot of that's going on in this album. And uh, I just want to let people know that um, I don't want to be a rock and roll star. Nothing against rock and roll, but <laughs> I, I'm, I'm here for one reason. <laughs> that's to keep my traditional country music alive and well. <laughs> You know, we were talking about music a little bit earlier, and I said, well, I seem to remember going to school and debating which was the better group, the Monkees or the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> so that dates me. That really does date me. Um, you've got a concert coming up in less than two weeks. Uh, I saw this. This is for your charity, The Love Tattoo. Tell us about this. Well, we are we are so fortunate that we get to play with who I call my heroes. You know, the folks that's played the Grand Ole Opry and has, you know, their music has been on mainstream radio for decades now. And um, we got a show coming up the 14th of this month with David Frizzell, and uh, David is the brother of the famous Lefty Frizzell. But David yes. had a yes. lot of a lot of great songs in the early 80s with a a duet partner named uh, uh, Shelly West, who they had the song "You're the Reason God Made Oklahoma," which was a, a huge, huge song from back in the '80s. And of course, David had a lot of his own hits, also in his own right as an individual artist. So we're real excited about David coming to uh, our barn in Waynesville, Ohio. And when I say that, people think coming to a barn. What kind of barn you got? But we, uh, we're we very fortunate. We have built a beautiful, uh, authentic uh, hemlock barn and uh, we have a beautiful stage and it's nestled around uh, some hay fields and next to a pond and, you know, people get really comfortable and they feel 
you know, right at home because it's country music and a country atmosphere. And uh, I'm very fortunate that we get to do that kind of music and share it with our friends out there. No, absolutely. You know, it, it's funny because when I saw this on David Frizzell, I'm saying Frizzell, Frizzell, Lefty Frizzell. And then, I, sure enough, it was uh, Lefty Frizzell's uh, younger brother. Uh, we're familiar with the, the music. My husband, one of his favorite ones. Um, so the Love Tattoo concert, though, uh, it's to benefit who? Well, we, uh, we do a lot to help um, generate interest and funds and awareness of the veterans. Um, our Love Tattoo Foundation is a foundation that helps um, keep our veterans, you know, a place for our veterans to go. Um, and, you know, we find it unacceptable that there's a lot of suicide being done every day by our veterans, and um, we're just trying to make awareness that there's a, a place called the Wilwyn Lodge in northern Michigan that welcomes any and all U.S. veterans uh, to stay and uh if they need to speak with psychiatric help or they need to see a doctor or they just need some R&R, um, we've kind of teamed up with them. And, um, you know, the money we raise uh, for um, part of our concerts and the money we raise from selling the uh, the song um, goes directly to help those people, not a percentage of it, but the entire part of the money raised for that uh, organization goes to the to – the, um, the, the Will Win Lodge, which basically does a lot to help our veterans who I feel are so deserving. Amen to that one. A huge amen. Now, this new album that you do have out, uh, I oh, good Lord, I cannot talk today. Oh, you do something to me. Every time you come on, I have a hard time speaking. <laughs> so, the new album, <laughs> think I'll carry it on. Uh, you've got... Uh, some collaboration on that one also besides your wife Donna um, you have a song on here the love tattoo with uh, Ronnie McDowell um, tell us about that the song that he worked with you on that I played it last night and I love it it this is the same one that you played on the other album or is this a new remix I was a little confused this is a little the same the song album. the same song we just did it as a duet and uh, I got to play a show with Ronnie McDowell here a little while back, and I've always loved his music. And I, I found out that he did three tours of duty in Vietnam. And uh, I was blown away with that, you know, because, you know, I, I realized, you know, he is um, he's one of us. He's a real red, white, and blue all-American boy, and, and he loves his music, and he's not afraid to, to say that. And so when I found out that he was a veteran, I, uh, I approached him with, in our show, I said, Ronnie, I've, I've got this song that I think would, you know, would be um, of interest to you. And he, he listened to it, and he said, yeah, I'd love to get in the studio with you. So we got in the studio, and re, we re-recorded Love Tattoo uh, with Ronnie doing a, a part, me doing a part, and then us singing harmony together with each other. But, you know, it's just a little way to where we can kind of add a little more interest and make a little more awareness of the old song that, that we've had out for uh, a couple of years now, and just kind of refreshing everybody with a new take with Ronnie McDowell singing a part on the song. Well, let me play that song, because I really did love it, and I love the way his voice blended with you. So this is Richard Lynch and Ronnie McDowell 
uh, on love tattoo. That's if it's going to play now. It's why isn't it playing? There we go. His God, his kids, his wife. For them, he gladly gives his life. He served his country as many do. And he came home with a love tattoo. I remember when the soldier walked past, he paused as he heard a young child ask, where'd you get that scar I see on you? He smiled and said, it's not a scar, it's my love tattoo. The soldier said,
I love the drums at the end. I just love that. It kind of gives an song. element. Well, thank you. It kind of, you know, kind of gives an element there of the, uh, you know, kind of like taps or something there that just shows sincerity to the song and to the uh, the reason for the song, which is the veterans. Now, when I was listening to that, you know, I was wondering, in the future, would you be thinking of doing a similar type of song for those of us that are uh, law enforcement? Oh, absolutely. I would love to be a part of that. Um, you know, I, the songs have come, you know, they come in different funny ways, how you're inspired to write a song. But, yeah, anything any, anything like that there, and I'm I'm always willing to collaborate with writer and, and you know kind of get their ideas to to bring together a song such as a you know a direction for law enforcement that's pretty a pretty noble cause actually you know the funny thing is because when I was listening to that um, I had recently bought a dress and I don't wear sleeveless dresses usually because of my scars <laughs> I don't want everyone to look go staring at me and go you know what's going on there uh, so you know <laughs> The song, you know, it just caused me to pause and think. Uh, that, yeah, I'd love to hear you do something like that. That would be great for a new album. Um, well, you know, you I can say it's just a matter, it's a matter of getting a song together, and and maybe that direction will happen someday. I hope so. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, I was listening as I said, listening to the thing uh, last night, um, and it was just you know playing song after song, and all of a sudden. I started tapping my feet, and I looked up and go, this is a great two-step. Uh, you have a collaboration with Leona Williams, another honky-tonk song. I literally, my feet were starting to tap on the floor, and I'm going, ah, it's a two-step. When was the last time you heard a really good honky-tonk two-step? <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I was working a lot in Texas the last several years, and, um, and back last um uh, January and February, we were hearing these great Texas bands playing that two-step music. And I told my wife, Dawn, I said, you know, I've got to write a song that's got that feel and it's got that direction. And uh, I, I grabbed my guitar and, you know, started talking about kicking out some ideas. And the next thing you know, uh, you know, the old honky-tonk. I mean, I, I grew up, cut my teeth playing country music and all the old honky-tonks that's becoming a thing of the past these days. There's not as many of them, of course, but but I wrote that song and 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 I had it written and and my wife said, you know what would really be cool if we could find a duet partner that would team up with you. And it just so happened that we had just uh, booked Leona Williams um, to come to our show. You know, uh, which was this was earlier in the year. We booked her later in the year for her to come do a show. I said, why don't we reach out to Leona and see if she might be interested in at least listening to that song and consider doing a duet with me. And sure enough, she heard the song and she said, I'm in. So <laughs> we got in the studio and we had a blast recording that. Richard. Yeah, there's just certain people that are just fun to work with. It's like when I do the show here, there's just certain people that I love having on because they're so much fun to talk to. But like I said, it, it, you don't often hear a two-step. And uh, it, it's it's perfect. So I'm going to be playing that song, another honky tonk song, and let's just hope I can get my my soundboard to behave. Okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. 
to those old honky tones. When I'm there, I know that's where I belong. My body's band on Saturday night, and the neon shining bright, and some two-step dancers twirling all night long. What do you think, Miss Leon? Those old honky-tonks There's a reason that I get to sing my songs Makes me mighty proud When yes man's playing loud And some two-step dancers twirling all night long Thanks country music For being good to us guest and his new album out <laughs> if I can get this right Richard you're going to kill me by the end of the show uh, think I'll carry it on uh, recently released uh, Richard I'm sorry Richard. I'm, I'm going nuts today go ahead Curtis yeah, I'm here. <laughs> hey I want to first say that I, I love your music um, I'm into traditional country too um, a lot of this new stuff I just can't get into but I was just curious, who were some of your um, influences? Who did you look up to? Who inspired you? Well, I tell you, um, I, I have to tell you, I, I grew up in a country music household, and, you know, all my life I've heard those greats. You know, my dad had all the had all the greats growing up. But when I realized as I got a little older who was the most influential, who I think is the most powerful country singer of all time, would have to be Conway Twitty. I mean, he absolutely could sing a song, knew how to pick a song, could write a song, and put every fiber of his emotion into that song. And I I think maybe, I'm I'm speculating here, but I think maybe the reason that, you know, my music is, you know, starting to resonate and, you know, be played a lot these days is the fact that I'm, I'm putting emotion back into the songs that's kind of been, you know, gone by the wayside here lately. And I think it's time we put some emotion back into the, the country songs because, you know, country songs are supposed to be happy, sad, tell a story. 
talk about a way of life, whether you're digging coal in a coal mine or if you're pulling taters or if you're, you know, on top of the world looking down on creation. Country music is supposed to be full of different emotions and different experiences. And I think I think it's time that, you know, a lot of po- folks like to hear that emotion back in the music again. And see, you know, people like myself and um, Ray Charles and Charlie Parker, you know, other musicians, black musicians, they love country too because of the, the music, but more so the um, the stories that they told. And I, I love to listen to the stories that are being told in country music. Absolutely. You know, you mentioned Ray Charles. Ray Charles had an appreciation for t- traditional country music before most of his peers ever dreamed of it. And Ray That's Charles true. did so much. He did an immense amount of good to get country music to be more mainstream than almost anybody. He he, he came up in the 60s, and it was an amazing, amazing event to sit and watch him collaborate with people like Willie Nelson. He collaborated with Hank Williams, Jr. People don't realize how many artists that, that Ray Charles did duets with. And it's amazing what he, his contribution was to country music. Oh, yeah. yeah, both Beavis. Hank Williams, Jr., both Beavis. I love that guy. Yeah, you know, uh, someone mentioned uh, uh, Johnny Cash. As a matter of fact, I'm reading a new, or, uh, new biography on him, uh, and we should be having the author on the show in, coming up soon. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, what was happening back then when music was really music. And today you hear everything that is goes into not necessarily even a studio. It's, it's, it's just on a computer. You know, it's, it's not real. It's artificial. It's computer generated. And there was something on the radio. My husband and I were driving somewhere and I'm listening to that. And it's like the entire lyrics consisted of one line being repeated over and over and over again. You know, somewhere along the way, when we came into the rock age and we became more electronic than with actual instruments and people playing the instruments, uh, we've lost the ability to create true music. I think there's a lot to that. Um, I did an interview here recently on a a major station, and the the disc jockey told me, he said, you know, Richard, today's music is really – been just dumbed down, and I, I never thought of it that way, but the lyric content has not been, you know, enticing enough to where it can keep my interest or a lot of folks, and so how many people can, how many songs can be sang about a guy in a back of a pickup truck drinking beer, chasing a girl? It's repetitive, 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 nothing wrong with that, but there's so much more to music than just that one topic, and so... Yeah, and once again, I I think that's the reason that, um, you know, I'm having the success that I'm having and and the different things going on with my music is that I've kept it, you know, to where it's got the emotion, it has a storyline, it has the the ability to connect with somebody. I I wrote a song recently, and I, I wrote it, and I sang it for the first time, and a lady walked up to me and said, it's almost as if, he wrote that song for me, and that's what country music is supposed to be relatable, and they can understand that song because they're in some way lived part of that song in their own life. 
Well, you know, what I find amazing, when you look at really good musicians and singers, uh, the truly, truly ones that can tell the story of the song and you feel it and you're emotional, most of these, I find, have their background in gospel singing. Do you find that also? Very true. Um, I'm a huge fan of Jimmy Fortune, and Jimmy is, um, he was the, uh, the, the tenor singer for the Statler Brothers for many years. And then when the Statler Brothers retired, Jimmy went out on his own and, and has pursued, and is still pursuing his own um, individual artist. He performs an immense amount. And he writes these songs, and he, he will tell you how he grew up in church and how there was such a, 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 a gospel influence on him. And I'm just using Jimmy for an example. There's many, many folks that, that have that same experience. But if you listen to his music, you know, you you feel the uh, the raw emotion, and you feel the the content. What he's trying to say overwhelm you. I mean, he has an ability to sing like no other, but he has also the ability to write a song that makes you realize what he's writing about. And the gospel end of it is is pretty important. And I, I'm I'm not a gospel singer, not a gospel writer, but I'm but I'm. I'm seeing and I'm I'm able to write some tunes that kind of give that that country boy feel with just a little touch of inspiration and a little touch of appreciation for the man upstairs. And, uh, you know, I think think it's needed these days. Well, you know, I I find that when you listen to gospel or or if you are singing it, uh, you are saying a prayer or relating a story or emotion uh, and I think maybe that is why a lot, and you have to have a good range. (laughs) I mean, I've stood next to some people in church, it's like hands over my ears, but you have to have a good range in order to to sing a lot of these things. Um, And I think maybe that's why you get your start in gospel and it makes you an even better singer in whatever the genre is. Um, You look at the, the greats like Billie Holiday, uh, Dion Warwick and all the others, and their start is in gospel. I think you're 100 correct. Uh, you know, and um, you know, there's a lot of folks that, especially in country music, you know, they they kind of want you to throw a gospel song out there if you're, you know, especially if you're doing a, a theater type of show or a, a family oriented show. They, they like to hear a little splash of gospel music out there, and I I don't think there's a thing in the world wrong with that. And so I'm. I'm lucky I've got a couple songs that kind of have that gospel connection. You know, I have a song that I wrote um, doing the interview, actually. I wrote a song called um, Pray on the Radio. And, you know, it's not wrote intentionally as a gospel song, but when people hear it, you, you right away think this could very well be a gospel song. You know, songs are meant to be interpreted. And just because I write it one way, um, a lot of people will interpret it, which a little differently than what I wrote, which is great because they made the connection with the song and they made they made the, the connection with something that I didn't necessarily think about. So it also it's, a, it's another level of a connection with your, your, your fans that like your music. No, absolutely, absolutely. Now, um, are you on tour right now? No, we, just, we did a local show. I live in southwestern Ohio, which is just about... 30 miles north of Cincinnati. We played a local show this afternoon, um, had a blast, came home, and uh, I got a little bit of hay I've been working on for the last couple of days, so 
<laughs> Got to get the farm chores done. And then tomorrow evening we are doing a show in southern Ohio, right against the um, the uh, south part of Ohio, which is not too far from the uh, West Virginia border. So we're not on tour as you would think, but we're doing a lot of we're playing a lot of regional dates these last couple of weeks. And people can find you on your website, which is your name, richardlynchband.com, uh, and they can check out your tour dates and your albums and everything there. Uh, you're still doing the TV show, uh, Traditional Lynch, right? We sure are, and we have some new episodes uh, in the near future may- being made. Um, you know, whenever we do our events here at our farm, we we have a five-camera shoot, and we televise you know, us and our guests, and we create segments out of that show for our television show, Traditionally Lynch. And there are some little snippets and stuff of other uh, concerts and stuff that we play around the country that we'll sneak in a snippet or two in the in the show, Traditionally Lynch. So, you know, somebody might who turns it on might see, see themselves on there. You never know <laughs> who you're going to run into. <laughs> Won't be seeing my smiling face, that's for sure. <laughs> well, we're, we're going to try to change all that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I can't remember. I, I, have I ever been to Ohio? Well, I may have flown through Cincinnati. I I don't remember. Someone asked me uh, recently, you know, how many states have you visited? And this is a little-known fact that most Americans, the maximum number of states they will visit in their entire lifetime, if they even exit their own state, is only eight. And I counted them, and I've been to about 27. I may have missed one or two on the list. But, you know, it, it, it's a lot of fun traveling. It's got to be when you go with your band. Oh, it is. You know, it's a lot of work. But, you know, there's nothing better and more gratifying for me to – to meet somebody out on the road somewhere and they, you know, they spent their hard earned money to, to come to our show or to, to buy our music or to, you know, buy our merchandise. And they, they just want a, a, just a little piece of your time just to, to say they get to know you. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'd, I'd stand in line all day if somebody wanted to talk with me. It doesn't matter to me. I, I thoroughly enjoy that. And I just love the fact that I can make that connection with that person. Oh, that's a huge amen, huge amen. It's always fun to perform, and when you get done stepping off the stage, it's like, oh, you're like a wet rag. Mm-hmm. But Richard, it is, it's a great album. I'm telling people to go to your website to get your new album, which is Think I'll Carry It On. Hey, I managed to do that correctly for once. You got it, Annie. <laughs> <laughs> a little practice. It makes perfect. It's a great album with a lot of good songs on it. And uh, you mentioned the um, song Pray on the Radio. And I think I'll, I'll leave off with that one because that, that song and that story is such a touching story. Uh, why don't you tell the story and how you ended up writing it? Because you, it, it's not something you expected to do at the moment you did it. Well, it's kind of it's amazing how that song came to be. We were on tour with a song, a radio promotion tour, a three-state radio tour, with a song called "We're American Proud," and we were all over the place playing that song, doing the radio tour. Well, I just received a phone call from our manager and said, "Hey, listen, there's a a radio station in California that wants to do a interview with you, so be prepared because uh, they want to do it live." And I said, "Okay, let's see, if make it happen." 
Well, I no sooner hung up the phone, and the phone rang, and it was the radio station in California. And the first thing they said to me was, wow, Richard, we love your music. We see, you know, how busy you are. And she said, I think the Lord must be traveling with you. We were just burning the roads up. And I jokingly and laughingly said, I would like to think so. Well, the interview went on and on, and we talked a little bit. And towards the end of the interview, he said, Richard, do you mind if we pray on the radio? Well, I'd never been asked that before, and I was completely blown away. Well, this, this wealth of emotion came over me. My hair stood up on the back of my neck. And envision me driving down the interstate, holding a phone to my head, and this song landed at me. It had to be written right then. That inspiration hit me right there. So I'm driving down the road, and never would there be a pad of paper anywhere, but there was a pad of paper between me and my wife that day. And never would there be a pencil or a pen to be found, but there was a pen right there on the dashboard. And I'm driving down the road, and I'm starting to write these lyrics that's coming to me then and there. And and my wife looked over at me, and she had eyes big as silver dollars, thinking, oh, my gosh, you're going to get us killed. So she grabbed <laughs> the pad of paper and the pen, and she was writing exactly what she heard me say from the conversation that I was having with the disc jockey in California. So the interview concluded. We hung up. And I had her read it back to me. I said, that's the song. So everything that she wrote and she heard me say is exactly how the conversation went with the disc jockey from California. Everything is exactly how it went. Wow. Well, we're going to play that song. Let me cue it up. And I've been writing my songs and telling my stories. I finally got my songs played on the radio. I've been doing interviews around the country. And then one day, a me, and I prayed with you, he said, do you mind if we pray on the radio, do you mind we talk about the Know that 
Praying on the Radio with by Richard Lynch. Richard, it is such a great album. I'm telling people they got to go to your website, richardlynchband.com, and get your latest album. It is fantastic. Well, thank you, Andy. It's always a pleasure to be oh, on the show with yeah. you and, and listen to you folks and have conversations with you. And just to, just to be uh, around you folks is a blast. Well, if, if well, been a people pleasure. are in the Ohio <laughs> area, can they still get tickets to the fo- to the concert on the fourteenth? We do have some tickets left. Um, the, we're kind of limited. We can only seat about three fifty thereabouts, and uh, so, you know we it don't take long before it's completely sold out. But you know we do have tickets available, and that they can buy them online. Um, I don't know that we can mail them to them at this point. Maybe so, but you know we don't have a problem um, having folks come to the door. Uh, and getting, you know, tickets that way. So either way, I can tell you, they will not regret the show. The farm is beautiful. The uh, the barn itself is beautiful. The sound in there is phenomenal. And, uh, you know, it's just a welcoming, welcoming, warm place to be. And if you, if you love traditional country music, you're going to make friends and see friends you ain't seen in a while. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all to benefit the Love Tattoo Foundation that you and your lovely wife run. Absolutely. It all goes for a great cause to help our veterans. All right, and Curtis, you had another last question? Well, I was just going to, to ask him, when will he be in Florida again? Um, we have a Florida date that we're working on right now. Um, I, I don't think we've uh, we've locked it in just yet, but, you know, mm-hmm. any folks that's listening to this, if you have a a question as to what, where our location will be or, or coming up, just go to our website, richardlynchband.com, and it's constantly being, right. you know, uh, you know, re- revamped and remade as these new shows come up. Uh, it's being reposted often. So if you don't see anything that moment, uh, the next week or so, there, it'll be changed again, and, and we'll probably see something at that point. But, yeah, we got a lot of different connections around Florida that we're, we're putting together as we speak. Good. All right. I'd like to see y'all. Well, I sure <laughs> hope we can see you guys area. in your future. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm about three mile, three hours from Jacksonville. That would be a one heck of a car ride for me. <laughs> so, oh, well, Richard, it's, it's, a three-hour tr- car ride so for me is a trip to Walmart these days. <laughs> <laughs> Wally World. Yeah. Good old Wally World. And I'll tell you, you, you go to Wally World, all you have to do is just sit there and watch people walk around you. You see some of the strangest looking people. No <laughs> doubt. Including us. No <laughs> including doubt. Us. I don't know why that one store always attracts really weird looking people, but for something about Wally World, it, it, it's called Wacko World. Anyway, Richard, God bless you for the hard work you do, and uh, we'll be talking with you soon. 
Well, thank you. It's always a blast to talk with you guys. If you need me, feel free to contact me anytime. Yeah, I'll get you through, oh, Michael. Man. Take care, Richard. And have Take fun. Take care, y'all. All right. Bye-bye. All right. All right. Richard Lynch, richardlynchband.com, and uh, check out his new album. Um, we've got a little over 45 minutes left, and it looks like our other guest, uh, Kathy Landing, uh, is not back home after evacuating from Hurricane Dorian because uh, she was she's stationed up in the area around Myrtle Beach that got hit hard last night. Uh, so if anything, they may only start to come back into the area. Mm-hmm. So I'll get a hold of her office and see if I can get her rescheduled. She's running for the congressional seat that used to be Mark Sanford that's uh, held now by Joe Beercan Cunningham. <laughs> so we'll see if we can make Beercan. that seat red again. The story <laughs> went is that he attempted to bring onto the floor of the House the very first day uh, a six-pack of beer. <laughs> so... And what was the purpose? He claimed he claims he was going to make it as a gift to a fellow member of Congress, but you're not okay. allowed to bring alcoholic beverages onto the floor of Congress, guys. That's a huge no-no. And not only that, it's a six-pack. How do you sneak a six-pack? I can understand a hip flask or something slipped into your attache case, but a six-pack of you. beer, really? <laughs> they must have brought security. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't get past security. Uh, thank you, Capitol Police. Uh, anyway, um want to thank everyone that's been joining us uh, up in the chat room and everything. I had a bunch of stories here that I wanted to uh, talk to uh, Ray about, but we'll swap them back and forth here, Curtis. Uh, one of the things we were talking about, uh, the LBGT community, uh, and in Leander, Texas, which is about 22 miles northwest of Austin, their city council voted to end, voted to end, not to start or to support, to stop the drag queen story time for children. We talked about this. I don't know if you were with us on the show when I did talk about this, the drag queen story hour, where they're actually, you know, brainwashing. I've heard of it. I've little heard of kids. it. Yeah. Little kids, you got little toddlers, and making it sound as if you know this drag queen thing is is perfectly normal, the new norm as I was calling it. Um, And it turned out that Mary Elizabeth Castle, who is policy advisor for Texas Values, a nonprofit organization that promotes faith, family, and freedom, uh, said that these people, that the drag queens were actually adult nightclub performers. So what sort of moral message are you sending children uh, when you have adult nightclub performers doing these story time hours? And it wasn't even the traditional fairy tales. Um, they were just making up the the stories to fit their lifestyles. This is not something that a parent should have their child exposed to. Uh, It it is completely... Well, thank God this Texas town said, we're not going to allow this to occur any longer. The reason being, this is the reason they've given, uh, Leander Mayor Troy Hill said, we brought in 1800 in rental fees and we spent 20,000 insecurity. Uh, that's not good math to me. <laughs> so, 
Not they at said, all. we can't afford to host you guys anymore, so we're going to use this as our reason to shut down the Drag Queen <laughs> story hour. So, it's you know, good enough. People are starting to... Good enough. Absolutely good enough. I mean, good, good enough, enough of a reason to stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I had mentioned about San Francisco <laughs> outlawing the actually marking the NRA as a uh, a terrorist group. Well, you know, Joe Biden <laughs> follows up with that. Uh, he oh, makes okay. a call. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sometimes you just can't make this stuff up. This came off of flagandcross.com, uh, and they write on their website. Biden recently showed his IQ was smaller than his shoe size by stating he wanted to ban gun magazines that, and I quote, hold multiple bullets in them. What do you think the purpose of a gun magazine is for? (laughs) (laughs) I tell you, that guy's uh, the gift that keeps giving. (laughs) What? What? I'm sorry. You know, even the cylinder of a revolver holds more than one round in it. So you know, here you're in. A, you got a cop in a gunfight, and you're only allowing him or her one bullet at a time. <laughs> what okay. do you think the perp has? He's got multiple rounds in his magazine. I guess he didn't watch any. Uh, I guess he didn't watch any cowboy movies growing up. No. Hey, Uncle Joe, (laughs) crazy Uncle Joe, here's a newsflash. All magazines hold more than one round. (laughs) The guy's going to see that. He ought to retire from um, the political scene. Now, I don't know if anyone caught any of the um, CNN shows uh, with each and every one of the uh, town halls, actually, uh, CNN was holding these town halls with all the Democratic candidates one at a time. And every last one came up with some harebrained climate change policy. And, you know, uh, we had, uh, who was it that one of them wanted us to stop eating beef? Uh, Bernie Sanders wants us to stop procreating. Um, some of the, the, their plans uh, was it uh, Yang wants us to uh, turn in our our gas guzzlers as he called them our um, petroleum based vehicles and instead uh, buy electric cars uh, he wants to originally plan he wanted to confiscate our cars and ha- force us to buy electric cars. So then he says, well, now you can't really force people to do that. But we want to phase out all uh, gas-based vehicles by a certain year. Some of the things they were coming up. And then you've got Beto O'Rourke, who opted to not fly on a plane, but to drive a bus along his election route. Uh, so, some of these things are just... They're the gifts that keep on giving this election cycle. It's like yeah. one year brainstorming after another year coming out of them. It's it, it, it's hysterical. When is when is the um, next debate? I really don't know. And honestly, I ain't going to be watching it. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm just curious who made the list. 
I know it's down to 10. Yeah, I know it's down to 10. And talking about climate change, here's another gift that keeps on giving. And I can't wait to see this seat turn red. AOC. And she was up on Twitter. (laughs) And she's blaming Hurricane Dorian, uh, basically saying Dorian is a racist hurricane because it affects poor people. Uh, This is her tweet. This is what climate change looks like. It hits vulnerable communities first. I can already hear climate deniers screeching, it's always been like this, you dim, etc. No, this is about science, she writes. We either decarbonize and cut emissions or we don't and let people die. So she's blaming Hurricane Dorian uh, on climate change and saying it's racist because it hits poor communities. Uh, no, it hits communities. It doesn't care if you're rich or poor. It hits those along the coastal line, uh, areas, low-lying areas. And lo and behold, you've got all types of people living in those areas. You've got rich houses being destroyed as well as poor houses. So obviously she has no idea what causes a hurricane and how a hurricane behaves. I mean, you just sometimes you just can't make this stuff up. I'm surprised you didn't blame it on Trump. You know, they they got this thing about that um, that HARP program and how they can control the um, weather and things like that. I wouldn't be surprised if we hear some of that in the next week or two, um, how Trump got this program to um, take out the poor people in the Bahamas. Uh, it, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, and if anyone is interested on donating to the disaster relief that's in the path of Dorian, go to my website, which is Southern Sense, put a dash in the middle, Southern hyphen Sense, and click on where it says uh, disaster relief. Um, We have up there uh, several different uh, things that you can click on, Samaritan Purse, Red Cross, um, I forget what some of the others are. There's also one through, um, not my church, but my diocese, uh, where they are putting together uh, shiploads of goods right now to go specifically to the Bahamas. Uh, so if you want to donate, uh, they're putting together, um, uh, what is it called? It's a water processing where they can desalinate the salt water bringing the equipment down there so they can convert salt water into drinkable water because they're short on water. So instead of shipping bottles of plastic, plastic bottles of water down there, they're bringing down the equipment to turn salt water into drinkable water. And it makes Make a heck pot- of a lot more sense. Yeah, potable water. Yes. Okay, so so click on my website, Southern Sense, put a dash in there, com. Click on where it says uh, relief on there, and you can make your donation. I'm not putting up there some fly-by-night. And you got to be careful because uh, my husband mentioned to this, and it's, I love my husband. He's an angel, uh, that he was predicting that out of the woodwork, you're going to get a lot of these bogus uh, charities and reliefs, and people are going to try to Damn. steal your money, and not a penny of it will go to the actual disaster relief. Um I'm getting some really crazy desalinization. Thank you, Vito. That's the word I was trying to find. Uh, so, yeah, click on our website to make a donation to the relief fund there. Um, 
there's so much more to talk about, Curtis, and I don't even know where to even start on some of this, but I did want to mention uh, the passing of our friend, Kel. Everyone knows her as Kel Fritzy. Uh, her name actually was Kelly Ann Fitzgerald, our friend out of Canada, uh, who had her own show, Red Fox Radio, and she was up on Global Patriot Radio. She passed away uh, in the start of August. Um, she had been ill for a while. Some people had been texting me and sending me emails asking about her. And I've, I've known Kel ever since I started this show. She was one of the first people that started listening. And that was when um, Cool Mike was doing his own show. Uh, G-Ski was up on the radio. Uh, these are people that are, are now gone. Um, but that's still, I don't mean gone, gone. They're not doing their shows any longer. Uh, but Kel had started her show around the same time I did. And we got to become friends. And we would uh, talk on the phone often, uh, send messages to each other, emails about articles, things are going on. And when Kel would call up or I would call her, we would be on the phone easily. Half an hour is a short phone call with us, 45 minutes. And uh, then she would also get on the phone with my husband for another 45 minutes. Um, as I mentioned earlier in the show, that if anyone ever noticed that I wear a crucifix around my neck and it stays on 24-7, the only time it comes off is when I go for an X-ray or an MRI uh, or for a surgical procedure or a CAT scan. It's the only time it comes off. It goes with me even when I'm in the shower. And it's the crucifix that Cal sent me. And it's the Sword of St. James that you can find on Lab Tep's website. And she was so sweet and so kind, and she bought it and sent it to me. Out of the blue, just out of the blue, is the type of person she was. Um, she was supposed to travel last summer down here to visit my husband and I, and she wasn't able to make it because she was starting to get ill. Um, she had problems with her back and everything else. And um, Before we moved to South Carolina, my husband and I had lost a dear friend to cancer. And when Kel mentioned some of her symptoms, I thought, Listening to what she was talking about, I had a strong suspicion that she was dealing with a serious illness, possibly cancer. And it turns out it was, and she lost her valiant battle. But Kel was a fighter to the very end. Probably going to lose it here in a few minutes. Um, she helped a lot of people along the way. She would help people put together shows. She was my co-host before you, Curtis. Uh, for more than two and a half years, first she was worked with Cool Mike and me, and she went to work with Dan Butcher and me on the, this show. Uh, she would host it when I wasn't able to host it, whether I was traveling or in the hospital or whatever. She would step in. She's worked with you a couple of times, Curtis, on this show. Oh, yeah. She did her own. Um, <clears throat> she helped a lot of other people put their shows together, and often she would edit them. And put them back out, you know, so they played smoothly in the archives. Um, she would travel around uh, to England and to other places to speak to crowds, to groups on the issue of Islam uh, and other issues. Uh, Wild Bill, she helped when he traveled up to Canada, <laughs> even though he got busted at the border for being a conservative, <laughs> for oh, having wow. hate speech on his, on his phone. Um, yeah, they, they confiscated <laughs> it at the border and tried arresting him. Um, but Kelly was kidding me. with him on that. Uh. No, seriously, Wild Bill, Wild Bill Finley. Um, she helped uh, a lot of people with their shows. 
Um, so she is going to be a huge hole in the Blog Talk family and on SHR Media, a huge hole in the family because of her passing. And that said, uh, she had a favorite song, and I've got it pulled up, and I'm going to cue it up to play it. And this is Fox on the Run and in memory of our friend Cal. If I can pull this up correctly. Well, come on, play. Uh, It's not playing. Here we go.
in memory of our dear friend, Gail Fritzy. Boy, I'm going to start losing it again, Curtis. <laughs> so you better talk. Yeah, it's kind of difficult for me, too. No, you know, you know, it's like losing a family member. Um, I remember her, you know, for being supportive and for assisting me on those those days that you were absent, you know, for, you know, whatever reason you had to be off the show. She was always, um, you know, helpful and, and I always felt, you know, really secure having her, you know, with me. Um, and I liked her playfulness. You know, we kind of did some innocent flirting and stuff in the beginning. And I liked to see, you know, what she, you know, um, discussed in the chat room about wine and cheese with Angel and a couple of couple of the others. And, you know, her voice was uh, magnificent, you know a radio voice and she was very articulate and um very friendly and I like that she did, you know, think enough of me to invite me on her show a couple of times to speak to the um Canadian audience and um you know, I just found it strange that, you know, I didn't see her name pop up in the chat room the last um maybe two months. You know, I guess it was sporadic, and then all of a sudden it just dropped off. And I think that's when I, you know, asked you about Kel. You know, where's Kel? What's up with Kel? And you said you wasn't sure, you know, that you would check into it. Well, I wrote her. You know, I sent her an email and never heard back from her. So now I know why, you know, she was gone. Yeah. But I will yeah. miss her. And, um Asked about, you know, the, the best I can do for this moment, you know, in my, you know, yeah. remembrance well, of her. Well, Vito is putting together a show on Tuesday night in the slot that Kel normally has. Uh, Vito is going to be up on Global Patriot Radio. His show is the Mamma Mia No Sharia. So he's saying that it's going to be an open mic. Uh, people can call in of their memories of Kel because uh, she was out there and helped a lot of people out there. Um so, oh, yeah, yeah. she will be missed. Um, I had placed something up on my Facebook page and was getting a lot of a lot of memories were being posted up on there. Um, so uh, and I did not play the regrets version uh, of Box on the Run because I knew Vito is putting this show together and I figured I'd let him play it. You know, let's do a different version. You know, Cal would appreciate that, I think. Uh, so check out Vito's uh, show. Vito, if you have a link, put it up in the chat room. Um, also feel free, Vito, to post it onto uh, my pages uh, up on the uh, Twitter feed as well as the Facebook page, Vito, so people can see where you're going to be at on Tuesday and so they can pop into the show and uh, talk about Kel. Uh, well, thank, thank right. God we have um, the podcast because I can go back and listen to her voice the times that, you know, she co-hosts with you or myself. That that would be a real treat, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah. she will yeah. remain mm-hmm. alive forever. She'll remain alive in cyberspace and in our hearts all the way. And uh, oh, every yeah. day, every day when I touch my crucifix, she will be uh, remembered. 
because of the love and joy that she brought so many people. And she was a devil of a fighter, <laughs> the Red Fox. <laughs> so. Yep. My only regret oh, is not, you know, having ever met her in person, you know. No, ironically, I was supposed to meet her and Paul Sutliff this past June. But uh, I ended up being scheduled for surgery on <laughs> when I was supposed to be flying to go up and meet her. So we were planning on hooking up later on up in the Albany area. She was going to drive down from Toronto to meet Paul and myself and my husband. Um, but that's not going to be now. So, oh, well, Paulie, yeah. if you're out there listening, we'll get up there to uh, Albany area in the near future. But uh, unfortunately, we'll have to have a drink in memory of Kel when we do get together. So, ah, anyway, so uh, Vito is saying that the time slot in BTR, which will be on IAW, is 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And it's going to be the IAW Red Fox Memorial. So thanks, Vito. Yes, again, Vito, feel free to post it up on my Twitter feed as well as my uh, Facebook feed uh, so people will know about it uh, through my stuff. Um, Post it also, if you can, onto SHR Media, their their page too, so people can join in and uh, remember our dear friend. Oh, wow. So, all right, Curtis, what's next? Well, we have to defeat the Democrats, and I think she would love that to happen. So I'm going <laughs> to yeah. continue to fight. I'm actually working on a new novel. Um, I have to send it to you. I think I told you about it um, a couple of weeks ago. And I I got enough chapters, sample chapters for you to read. And I think yeah, you, you sent me a sample you sent me a sample chapter, but I haven't been able to get to it because I've been in the middle of reading Judge uh, Pero's book as well as um, the book on Johnny Carson, not Carson, Johnny Cash. Uh, so I haven't been able to get to your chapters just yet. So I'm juggling two books already. Well, I'm going to send you an updated <laughs> version, so just just ignore the first one. Because <laughs> you know, right oh, man. We love to edit, you know, we love to edit, and, you know, it's amazing that we ever get anything out, because we always editing, <laughs> editing, editing, you know. Oh, and I, I have to be honest, I have tried to start to write my book. Um, I got down to starting the outline, and as you said, you keep on editing, and then I start to read a sample of some of the chapters I started writing, and I go, this is awful, this is absolutely disgusting, <laughs> Delete, delete, delete. I'm going nowhere fast. I'm actually going backwards. <laughs> What's the premise of it? Uh, my book, is, it's it's going to be lightweight. It's going to be just in life, there must be love and laughter. It's just, just okay. my take on life. Um, because if anything, there was a lot of love and laughter that was brought to life by Kel. So, um, whew, oh yeah, and... Uh, Vito is telling us to call anytime during the two hours into the show on Tuesday. Um, and for, you've got other people that have your backs. We watch out for everyone. You know, this is one big family out here. Uh, so that said, oh man, I don't even know now. I, I had so much stuff I wanted to talk about uh, with Ray. Um, oh, here's here's a brilliant thing. And this is something I, I know Cal would have taken off and just went hysterical on. Um, 
I this I want to, I'm just going to read the article. This was up on Flag and Cross also. Uh, NBC host, what the heck was this host's name? Oh, Chris Hayes. Uh, Who's that? Chris Hayes on the. He's a host on MSNBC. Um, oh, okay. The Marx, the, Marx, the show Marx I never socialist. watched. <laughs> 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 the Marxist Socialist Nazi Broadcasting Company. Uh, MSNBC. Uh, Chris Hayes <laughs> said, the weirdest like thing that. about the Electoral College is the fact that if it wasn't specifically in the Constitution for the presidency, it would be unconstitutional. What? <laughs> Does that make any sense? <laughs> I'll, nah. I'll read it again. The weirdest thing about the Electoral College is the fact that if it wasn't specifically in the Constitution for the presidency, it would be unconstitutional. <laughs> what what brand of glue was he sniffing? <laughs> oh, oh man! It, it, it's just, Anything just that's not in the Constitution isn't constitutional. <laughs> Guess he didn't learn that. <laughs> Doesn't know the meaning of constitution, I guess. <laughs> I'll send him one you of those just... those old encyclopedias. Remember those before they had computers? Uh, they used to buy these like volumes of books called encyclopedias. I wonder what people uh, dump man. those things. <laughs> I'm I, I'm telling you, you just really cannot make some of these things up. Um. Uh, you, you just really can't. And then when people say something so stupid that members of their own party call them out, such as Deborah Messing, or as the president calls her, the bad actor Deborah the Mess Messing of Will and Grace fame, um, had posted on hers that uh, she wanted. Uh, she was her suggestion to publicly identify the names of President Trump's donors attending the fundraiser, which could lead to a back blacklist. And then her co-host on that terrible TV show, uh, what the heck was his name? He backs it up and says, oh, yes, let me know who they are, because I don't want to have to work with someone that donates to Trump. Uh, when, when, when they you are get so the childish. Point, when you get to the point where you want to blacklist someone because of their political views, you are going to prevent them from getting a job, from earning a living, and possibly even chase them out of where they live because they make a donation to a political party you do not agree with. That stinks of pure McCarthyism. And Trump called her out oh, yeah. saying it is McCarthyism. So – well, all right, fine. Blacklist everyone that donates to Trump, and then we, in turn, will make a blacklist of anyone that donates to, say, Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris, AOC, uh, Rashid Talab, or any one of them on the, on the Democrats. We'll, we'll make our list, and we'll refuse to hire you. How does that feel now with the shoe on the other foot? You don't like it so much. And Whoopi Goldberg, who normally – Marches in lockstep with Deborah Messing has said it's a dumb idea. Whoopi Goldberg and Orp writes, yes, on the view, Whoopi publicly condemned the idea of the blacklist, and good for her. 
I don't agree with 99% of what Whoopi Goldberg says or stands for, but I do agree in this one thing, 100%. And good for you, Whoopi Goldberg, for calling her out on it. It is a terrible, terrible idea. And then to deny someone employment simply because of their political view. You don't want us to deny someone employment because of their race or gender or religious faith, so why would you deny them because of their political view? It may be a horrible political view, but if they are entitled to that per the First Amendment of our Constitution. So good for Whoopi and bad on Deborah Masson. Yeah, I tell you, I cannot wait until we get a little closer to this election, like uh, 2020, like January, when it really becomes interesting and they start having, like, um, debates and things like that and and, uh, primaries. Right now it's kind of boring, you know. Well, well, we're going to have... I don't know if anyone knows when the debate is on CNN with these Democratic dummies, you know, post it up in the chat room. So I have no idea when it's going to be. And I'm definitely telling I'm you, thinking, I'm not watching it. I'm thinking of, I'm, I'm thinking of 10. Is it just next week? Is it really? I think so. I'm oh. not sure. But I just want to see who made the cut. And that's it. Mm. Well, I'm sure that, uh, They're all going to have their spin on it the next day, and we'll be hearing about it for another week until they start announcing the next uh, CNN Democratic debate and the next cut of candidates that will be on the list. Um, I've seen political seasons where it's been weird, but I've never seen a political season like we had since 2016. I have never seen anything as, as crazy as this, but... Me too. Again, if you uh, if you're listening in, there. we the hate that's out there is is unbelievable. You can cut it Absolutely with a unbelievable. Mm. It, it is. And, you know, it, it, you got people being beat up in the street because they're wearing a "Make America Great Again" hat. Uh, you've got Antifa that is blocking a straight pride parade, um, ending up you know, getting themselves busted. And good for the Boston cops and the Boston. Uh, political hacks that allowed the parade to go forward and allowed the cops to do their job, not like you see in New York. And as a matter of fact, uh, there's a new video up out there where there's another attack on the cops in New York City. Uh, This time they took a gallon jug of milk and threw it at a police officer's head. And you can't even say it's a racially motivated crime because a black guy threw the jug of milk at a black cop. Fortunately, the cop was not hit. He was able to duck. But I said this mm-hmm. uh, several shows ago. I said, it's water now. Next, they're going to graduate to something else. And this time, it's a jug of milk. Uh, when will it be acid, bleach, something else that they'll throw at the cop that will cause a real injury? And what if they miss the cop and hit an innocent bystander? Right now, the cops have their hands tied. They've got a terrible mayor in de Blasio. They have an awful police commission that is not allowing their cops to do their jobs and the only thing that's holding the cops together are the police unions patty lynch you're doing a fantastic job keep going keep going guy we've got record number of suicides 
of active duty New York City police officers. And they're putting out special hotlines and, and other things out there trying to help save the cops' lives. It's gotten so bad that these men and women that volunteer to do this job are being attacked because they are out there to believe in protecting and serving the public for a greater good. Well, it's gotten so dangerous that um, recruitment um, in law enforcement is way down, way down. They are struggling to get people to sign up to become peace officers all across the, the nation. And I don't blame them. You know, you can do something and end up in jail yourself doing your job or making a split-second decision that somebody's going to um, second-guess you, you know, later on, you know, in the legal system. What they call it, the, the Monday morning um, quarterbacking. Quarterback. That, yeah, yeah, stuff like that. So who wants to put up with that? You know, not only that, you get shot at. You could get killed. You know, the, the disregard for law enforcement officers out there is at a record low. I thought it was low in the 80s when we had a record number of, of law enforcement deaths. But I think the last several years, it is surpassed at an amazingly, amazing rate. And yes, there are one or two out there that will do a bad job, and maybe you may have one or two small departments that are corrupt. But overall, 99% of the men and women in uniform are honest, believe in what they do, and are doing a very difficult job at a, at a, a horrible time. A horrible time, you know. So my hopes and prayers is that we start to turn this nation around. Every day America's out there get fed up enough where they say it's time to stop. Let's enforce our laws and let's support our law enforcement officers are out there doing a hard job. Let's give them what they need to do their job. And if you see a crime happening, A, report it. Don't turn your back on it. Um, I'm trying to think. There's, uh, is it San Francisco? Uh, I believe it might be San Francisco. Someone, someone, correct me if I am wrong. But there is one now. Was it the state of California that is passing a law that says that if a police officer is in need of assistance, you don't have to help. There are some states wow. that have laws that, that will protect. The civilian, if you see a police officer in trouble, then in desperate need of assistance, as there's no other law enforcement around available to give them a hand, that you would be protected if you give that officer a hand. And in some places, it's mandatory that you do that. But they are now passing that law. I believe it's in California that, no, you're not required to assist. Matter of fact, you're encouraged to not assist. Yeah, it is the state of California. Thank you, Vita. I thought it was. Only on the left coast. Only on the left coast can they, they pass something so ridiculous. And they wonder why they no longer have a middle class. They wonder why businesses are fleeing California. They are wondering why. Well, thank you very much, Gavin Newsom. And Gavin Newsom is going to sign that bill. Thank you, Vito. I thought it was. But anyway, um, down to our last eight minutes on the show, and I'm sorry that Kathy Landing wasn't able to join us. I will get a hold of her campaign and find out you know, what's going on and get her rebooked on the show. Uh, we will be back here on Friday 
with Judge Janine Pirro and her new book, and it's a great book. I, I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, she writes, she, she's a fantastic, fantastic writer. So we'll be talking to her about her new release. Um, also, it looks like uh, she's in trouble with Fox News again. Um, she ended up going on Sebastian Gorka's uh, YouTube show, and uh, Fox News isn't too happy with what she said. And, and she's probably saying, who cares? <laughs> but yeah, they always again. suspended somebody. What happened to oh, uh, freedom of speech in this country? Again, you know, you've got the left that's it's turning around, calling the advertisers, the sponsors on her show, and saying, we're not going to buy your product because you are sponsoring such and such show. They've been doing it to Tucker Carlson. They've been doing it to several other, you know, shows on Fox News. Sean Hannity, yeah. Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, uh, Judge Jeanine. So, yeah, they're trying to shut them down. And what better way to do that than to have their sponsors poll? Um, I would in turn say, well, if that's going to happen, why don't we in Congress call up the sponsors and say thank you for sponsoring her show, and we will support your product by purchasing it and advising people to purchase your product. Why not? Mm. Why aren't we doing the same thing but in reverse? Hmm? Well, Uh, they don't have no backbone. Well, that's what we have to do. We have to grow a pair and stop letting the left win the argument. We've got to turn around and start winning the arguments back. And uh, that's just about it. All I got for today, Curtis. Well, hopefully um, this is the last of um, Dorian we'll hear about this weekend. Um, I hear that there's um, three more systems out there. So I'm going to keep an eye on those because this may not be over yet. I remember yeah, a couple of years ago in Florida, we had like four back-to-back. Every week there was a different hurricane for four weeks straight. It got to the point where people who had boarded up their places just left to board it up for a month. <laughs> it's like, why bother well, taking it down? <laughs> well, there is another one forming off the coast of Africa called Gabriel. I was watching that one last night uh, looking at the path. Um, there's a couple of other depressions out in the Atlantic. Uh, I saw one or two out in the Pacific, one in the Gulf right now. So we do have a bunch of storms coming up. But, hey, it is yeah. storm season, June 1st to November 1st. So we got to know. we got to prepare. And if anyone wonders you know, why there's so much damage, it's because we as men have decided to build our homes near these flood zone-prone areas. We choose where we live. You don't want to be in the path of a hurricane. Don't live in Hurricane Alley, period, and report. And one of the things my husband and I did when we bought a house was to make sure that we were not in a flood zone. It's responsible buying. Yeah. You know, if, if you choose to have your for, house on the beach, then something's going to happen. That goes for Tornado Alley, too. Don't build a house there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, that's what all we got for today. I want to thank everyone for uh, joining us. We will be back here again, as I said, uh, next Friday with Judge Janine Pirro. So I'll be leaving you with our closing song, When the Roll is Called Up Yonder. So until then, we say good night and God bless.